It takes half the day for you to journey from the Minecraft arena beneath the dusty cauldron to the holdings of Clan Royal. You ride in lavish comfort in a carriage pulled by two horses and escorted by 16 mounted cavalry. The prince, Lovell, alternates between riding along in your carriage and riding mounted beside his vanguard. He is giddy with excitement at bringing you to meet the king. I've not seen a contest that close in ages! And all the ciphers... I, I mean, I know they're against the rules, but they sure do spice up the spectacle! Chaotic G's thin-brimmed hat, but it was fun to watch. Talking quickly, the prince explains that you'll be joining the king for dinner. Strictly speaking, he hasn't cleared this with the king, but generally his father indulges these whims. It would be best, therefore, for you to kind of stay in your rooms until you're fetched for dinner to avoid any unwanted spectacle or... You know, just anything that might turn the king's favor from you, since you aren't technically invited. When you arrive, you'll be taken to Domus Regi, which is the castle. You'll be escorted to your chambers by the king's chamberlain and await a summons from Lovell. The chamberlain will see to it that all your needs are met in the interim. Oh, this is going to be such fun! With how exciting your race was, maybe I'll finally convince father to join me at one of these spectacles! The walls of the holdings, when you actually reach them, make Clan Tructa's meager wall look like a simple pile of sandbags. Huge marble flagstones serve as the foundation to a map of all Udril, stood on its end and wrapped around the holdings. It is crafted so well as to look like fabric or paper, though the sandy-colored marble that they use is sturdy as any other wall material would be. The map is dotted with a network of towers, representing the keeps throughout the land, that house garrisons of the king. Each of these burns a brilliant amber through some cleverly seated gems that are hidden within the towers themselves. Between them, glowing sapphire blue, are the signal beacon towers. And the map's not just two-dimensional either, it's topographical, and it's representative of every hill and valley throughout the region. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is this thing is an architectural marvel. The front gates are two massive constructions of steel, with winches and pulleys that allow a single guard atop the wall to swing them inwards simply by cranking a wheel in the gatehouse. As the gates swing open and your carriage passes through what one of the cavalrymen calls the Holy District, uh, you're able to see vast monasteries to Kotix, Zanir, Gamteus, Awara, and even Kelnor stretching towards the sky, with some open-air shrines and closed temples and residential buildings dotted between them. A large aqueduct runs through this district and off towards the castle, Domus Regi, which dominates the skyline to the east. At the western end of the holdings, every bit as tall and grand as Domus Regi, is Domus Lune, a Gomteun cathedral. Your carriage passes between the cathedral and the castle as it merges onto a wide boulevard. This boulevard, a horseman at your window explains, connects the cathedral and the castle directly. And the wind you feel at your backs blowing eastward is a sign of Gomteu's favor on the king. For centuries it's blown like this, even since the darkening, a sign that we are not abandoned by our maker. As you travel eastward down the King's Boulevard, you pass between market districts to your north and south. The north is a more robust industrial district, the south is more of a gathering place of artisans and specialists. But now that you have a direct view, all you can look at is Domus Regi, the home of the king. The castle has its own set of walls, ivy climbing gray stone blocks. Instead of crenellations, turrets, or parapets at the top of these walls, there are silhouettes there. Silhouettes of dwarven warriors. The kings of old! Each king of Udril is seen here, all the way back to our first king, Aeneas the Architect, your friendly cavalryman explains. Each king holds in his right hand a weapon of some kind, for some a broadsword, others a javelin, others, you know, a spear. But in their left hand, each holds the same scepter, one shin long, with a castle turret at its head. 
Several towers and tall buildings look over the walls and down at you. And as your eyes take in the majesty of it all, you see a middle-aged dirt folk woman standing on a balcony looking down at you. You recognize her instantly. Though last time she was not dressed in the same finery. She's now wearing a silk dress with a maroon scarf and a necklace of pearls, but last time you saw her, she was wearing the uh, sort of garb of a tumbleweb sheriff, and she was in Clan Tructa accusing you of uh, some serious crimes and basically getting you thrown out of the Clan Holdings. Uh, excuse me? Uh, can I can I go ahead and just uh, uh, dip my dip my head down a bit? Just <laughs> yeah, Alan's gonna try to like look away. Yeah. Look away. Yeah, just like oh, look at this thing I found on the ground. <sighs> Are you all turning away? Yeah. Okay. Alan's trying to act I, natural. Yeah, yeah, of course, away. naturally, naturally. I'm like. I don't think I I show above you know the window. <laughs> just a little poke of your head. Whoever's next up. to me, I just nudge and we. I just start talking to them. Man, wow, this is great. What is, man? I'm going to go down the line. I need all of your stealth mods. I'm going to roll stealth so you don't know how well you hid. Okay. Uh, oh. Fox, what's your stealth modifier? Nah, it's a plus nine. Oh. One. The same as Jeb is except negative. Two. So wait, wait. Are you, are right. you taking the average or are you adding these all together? I, I don't know. You all think you have been super stealthy. <laughs> Dump stats. Dump stats as far as the eye can see. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty sure. you're pretty sure nobody has seen you as far as you know. Can I roll insight to know if she recognizes us? <laughs> nope. Damn. You would have to look Can up. Can we have all sat on the same bench <laughs> in a row so that we're hiding behind Matt and only use his stealth check? <laughs> then I will average all your rolls together. <laughs> Eventually, though, she does pass out of view as the towering gates to the castle itself, Domus Regis, swing open and. You are led into a sort of entryway where the carriage pulls to a halt and the uh, cavalrymen form into ranks and several of them dismount and escort the prince inside. And then once he is safely inside the castle, the man who's been explaining about some of the you know city um, landmarks and things like that, that guide. cavalryman hops off his horse. Yeah, your, your tour guide hops off his horse, comes over and knocks on your door and he goes, your rooms are this way, sirs. And you know what that means. It means it's story time at the Wing Badger Tavern. <laughs> Yay! And we'll be right back. Sunir, Gontos, Kotis, Awara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony. Then, everything changed when the chat emped magic. Only Kelnor, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy, a company selling magic. And although their roleplay is great, they have a lot of XP to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the world. Let's meet our characters for the evening. Do I go first? Yeah, <laughs> I was just, just the same order we've gone in for the whole season. Uh, okay, just you know, well, you, you know me. <laughs> I'm Matt, and I play Fox. All right, and he's a rogue changeling, and he, you know, he's he's a little changeling. You know, he's changing up a bit. Come a little bit of bide, a little bit of bide, a little bit of you know, maybe warming up. You know, it knows. Maybe maybe the next person will know. Oh, do I go second? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like we have for the whole hey, I'm season. Wash. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm Wash. I play Jebediah Peppermint, the the gunfolk mole wizard. Wait, the gold. What? 
thing. The gold Pokemon <laughs> wizard. <laughs> Something like that. that. That's the ultimate end. He is going to replace parts of his body until he is completely an artificed gunfolk mole wizard. Yes, yes, that's, that is who I am tonight. Oh, do I go third? <laughs> anyway, hi, I'm Jake. I play Alan. The Azamar Barbarian Artificer. Uh, you know, he's an Azamar. He's gonna he's gonna mar it up a little bit, you know. You know, as as you do. Anyway, that's 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 me. As you do. Oh, do I go forth? Nope, I do. I'm Josh, your quiz magic game master for the evening. And it's nice to know that I'm not completely out of practice. Now you can go. Hello, I'm Trevor. I play Zofka Kebub, the Orc Cleric. If you don't know him by now, uh, go back and listen to episode one. <laughs> you can say, go something yeah, else. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get lost. Get lost, kid. You're not from around here. It rocks. <laughs> well, that was there. Those were some introductions, and we're all introduced, and here we are. Uh, <clears throat> As I described, basically all of the Clan Royal Holdings are architectural marvels. The whole thing has been it's built tangled. by a combination, of, a combination of various architects at royal invitation. Um, as we know, one of the ways to sort of uh, ensconce your legacy in Utril is to be invited by the king to actually build something, a monument or a structure or whatever. Um, architecture is really important to their culture. And so the Clan Royals holding specifically are just an absolute masterpiece, but it's like like a cubist masterpiece. Like each room is designed by a different architect or a different whatever they, you know. And so because of that, each of your rooms, and you do have private quarters, each of you in the same hallway, each of your rooms is completely unique. So what I'd actually love to hear from each of you is tell me about your quarters. What architectural masterpiece has been created for the place you're staying. So let's just start with, let's go opposite of our introductions. So let's start with Zothkug. So, you know, you're being led down the hallway by this cavalryman, and of course the hallway is this huge vaulted ceiling, big archways, marble. It's this, you know, it's, it's a hospitality wing of the king's castle. So of course it's amazing, but each room is like its own insane thing. And before we do this, I would like Wash to come up with a color and Jake to come up with a noun. Bird. Puce. You're led to a door, Zothkug, that says Puce Bird on it is the name of your room. Uh, tell me about the Puce Bird private quarters. <laughs> All right. So the Puce Bird, um, one of the, the, the main staples of the room is it has this intricate um, like pulley gear system to open up a skylight in the the roof of the like the roof of the room so you can get like some sunshine during the day but you can close it at night and make sure you know you stay warm and nothing flies in at night by accident or something like that um so that's like the the staple of this room um and there's no like ropes or you don't see any of the mechanisms which is really the the marvel of it all because like i'm sure other places you know there's just a rope you can pull and stuff so is it like japanese wood joinery where it's like you can't see any of the seams but they're all actually apparent like the whole wall rotates is that what you're trying to say like as if the different building blocks were gears or is it like it's all hidden behind the wall hidden behind the wall got it so there's like a crank wheel somewhere that you can turn yeah 
Awesome. Um, and of course, besides that, there would be, you know, like a fantastically comfortable bed, probably like a full four poster bed with hanging curtains and, you know, all that kind of stuff is all the, all the normal things you'd expect from a King's hospitality. Um, Trevor, you should pick for me a noun and Matt, you should pick for me a color. Dog. Turquoise. What is the turquoise dog room like? Well, the turquoise dog room, um, Seems as though it may have almost been like themed after something a child would want to like to to spend time in to sleep in, but in, not in a cheesy way, but in a very interesting way where the walls are painted like sky blue with like kind of some like clouds sort of like painted on as well, but like very subtle. It's kind of like a like a pattern going on on the walls and the 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 great like the, race car bed not necessarily race car bed um but like definitely like childhood vibe and uh there is like also lots of like little like art oh i just destroyed my microphone um little like uh pictures drawings on the wall hung on the wall in like pretty like ornate frames that are like really uh well done like realistic like pencil sketches of dogs they're they're all and they're all very sweet. They're they're good boys. Alan goes in, has a place to like set his stuff down. You know, he's getting himself all acquainted, and the cavalryman leads on to the next room. Trevor, pick a color. Matt, pick the noun. Uh, sure, truche. Well, okay, sorry. For, That's a color. If, don't even for, you, you move on. Me, okay, you hit me with puce. You hit me with this. I I I don't know what colors we're talking about. So I'm going with uh, stairs. Jeb, you are led to chartreuse stairs, <laughs> uh, which is a, another architectural marvel. Tell me about your room. So, as we all know, chartreuse is a shade of yellow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so as Jeb enters the room, um, it, there's, it's almost like a, an, an ironic, uh, romantic period piece where, where things are, are painted and colored chartreuse, but they, they almost look like false gold, but like in an ironic sort of way where it's like very gaudy and very obvious. Um, there, there's a massive round bed in the middle of the room and everything that is fabric is leopard print. I love that. Okay. The balcony too. I'm picturing you laying down on a bed that's fabric print, drawing clothes of the curtains that are fabric print. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like leopard print. Like it just lets the curtain goes all the way around. It's like a big column. Wow. In the middle. Thanks for that description. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it spins too. There's like there's like a little a little lever, and it spins around. Uh, Wash is going to pick a noun. Uh, Trevor, no, Jake, pick a color. I have the the fastest fingers of the West to type this into Google to figure out what color you actually mean. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll do a simple Apricot. color. No, you don't do, do, do a good color. <laughs> maroon. All right. I know what maroon is. Okay. Is it maroon apricot? Is that the prompt? I'll say fruit, not apricot. We'll say fruit. Maroon fruit. That's a maroon okay. lesser known band in this, in this region. Maroon <laughs> fruit. <laughs> um... So in this room, right, um, the walls are carved to look like a clearing of woods, right? So each part of the wall looks like a piece of a tree all joined together as if though you are standing within a wooded wall of natural trees and the, and the roof of the room being the canopy. Um, and from it, the lights hanging down are these maroon lights shaped to look like apples hanging from the branches. The center of the room is 
a sleeping place. It is not a traditional bed, but instead more of a round futon laid down into the ground. Um, made this. So it's a pillow. Well, it's like a large pillow. Okay, it's a difference. Okay. <laughs> a bean bag, you could say. <laughs> less, less thick, more wide. Same. Um, <laughs> with, with the seventies plush carpet that goes down in steps like oh, those yeah, old yeah. school halls. But it, yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> the edges of the of the trim of the wall is made of roots, um, or made to look like roots, and the floor uh, is textured like grass. While the pillow itself being this nice plush brown pillow with accompanying same color blanket, of course. Those are some rad quarters you guys are staying in. So you are dropped off in in your, your quarters. You have somewhere to stay. And um, the cavalrymen explain to you they're going to um, post a guard for your security at the end of the hall. Um, so you have this this hallway of four rooms is its own sort of little isolated area and then there is kind of a common space between your rooms that you can obviously sit down and talk and whatever and it you're left to your privacy but there is a guard at the end of the hallway so you can't like go out and just wander about the castle the windows of your rooms are high enough up that it would be unsafe to jump out of them although unsafe jumps have never really bothered you before so you could technically (laughs) go out that way um and that's pretty much the situation you're left in. The you know someone's going to come and fetch you for dinner, probably the king's chamberlain. But other than that, you are left to your own devices. Now we're gonna jump into some just like free space for you guys to talk and communicate here in a second. I'm just gonna let you know that while you're in your private quarters, as you're just going about your business, from time to time the castle staff are wandering by. You know someone might come in to freshen up the blankets, or maybe someone walks past pushing a cart full of food or something like that. And as you listen to these different staff people, you overhear some of the gossip around the castle. And each of you is going to receive a DM from me on Discord with some gossip that you've overheard that you can choose to reveal. And it won't all be at the same time. It'll be like throughout the course of the evening. This is just basically something that's ongoing that your characters are picking up, just so you know that that's coming. Okay. Um, Uh, DM question. Have we slept between leaving from the races and coming here? No, it was only. Okay. I didn't. It didn't come up, but yeah, I couldn't it, it's only about a half day's journey. So you left in the morning after your, like you slept after your race, and then you left in the morning. Oh, okay. And you've so arrived we slept around last adventure yeah. and now. Cool. Yeah, and you've arrived now, which okay. is around lunchtime. And in fact, they're probably bringing in like a catered lunch for you because you're you're gonna have dinner with the king, assuming Lovell can swing it. So they've probably brought in a nice lunch for you, which, you know, you can elaborate on if you want to. Um, but that's that's what's going on here. So you have however much time you want privately to prepare spells or whatever you need, but also you can hang out together. Mm-hmm. You can look around. If you want to look out the windows, we can talk more about what's around you. You know, you have you have options. So whatever you want to do. Um, actually, yeah, speaking of that, the first thing Fox is going to do in any new environment is to look for every single escape route possible. So first thing in my own room, um, I'm going to be checking the one window that is shaped to look as if though, um, it is a break in the trees and see if what it overlooks. Excellent. Your window is on the Eastern end of the castle and it overlooks a big green space. So you're about four stories up in this room. Um, but the boulevard, wow. like you've only gone up one story. So it's almost like the castle is kind of overhanging a cliff a little bit, right, if right. that makes sense. 
Um, so out, out your window, there's four stories down and then there are just big wide green fields, but they're not like wilderness. They're clearly tended. So there's a little hedge maze in one part of it, like a little labyrinth. There are some nice gardens. There are orchards. There are a couple of sporting fields for like jousting tournaments and things like that. And there's even an archery range where you can see a couple members of probably the King's Garrison who are like, you know, practicing archery and there are some training dummies for them to, you know, practice their sword craft and things like that. Clarifying question. Is this like uh, like Versailles? Yeah, it's kind of similar to that. Okay, that kind of garden style? The the gardens are very much like Versailles. Okay. Um, if you want somewhere you've been to use as reference, it, it looks an awful lot like Dover Castle. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Almost as if someone might have been there when they planned this yeah, yeah. section of the, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> the adventure. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to immediately after seeing that uh, go find... Are our rooms the only ones in the hallways? There are other rooms in the hallway, but they're unoccupied. Okay, I'm just going to start checking all the windows, but you can go to somebody else for now. Sure, let's check in with whoever wants to go next, whoever's got something they want to do. Yeah, I want to <clears throat> I want to do, like, I'm assuming the, with the privacy of this room and the, the distractiveness of how gaudy it looks, um, I'm going to cast a couple spells. Um, I'm going to ritual cast uh, Alarm on the balcony door. I'm going to have it tuned to... Uh, to anybody who is not in the party. So if anybody crosses that threshold there, it'll mentally ping me. Um, and then I'm also going to uh, cast Tiny Servant. I'd like to to cast it on a small, like, pot. Like like a little clay clay vase pot. But something that's, like, like kind of sturdy. Yeah, in yeah. a gaudy room, there's probably tons yeah. of those around. There's a little mauve pot. Uh, but that's going to last eight hours, so he's going to be just hanging out. So, like, a little pot with maybe, like, a decorative flower in it, all of a sudden the flower is its face, and it sprouts little, like, root arms coming out the side, and it, like, boop, pops up on legs. And that's yep. your little tiny servant. Legs and arms. Are, are there, um, like, bathtubs? Is there running water? Or is it, like, the servants have to fetch hot water? The bring servants it up can in fetch hot water and bring them to private baths in each of your rooms, but it's not, like, running water like they would have in Gaim. Um, also, before we move on well, to another room, they run because Jeb, your alarm spell that you cast, um, just so we're clear, um, if it triggers and you are out of range with your like little hundred foot radius weave, then when you come back, you will know like as soon as the weave is reconnected, the alarm will will come to you and like, hey, you know, this happened. Um, but that's a spell that's got to be able to get to you when it's triggered hmm. so i just wanted to make you aware of that interesting <clears throat> logistics so that's going to cut down the one mile range but once i get like it'll kind of delay it where it'll activate right once i get close to it yeah okay. so like a lot of the other magic effects that were in the the fallen tower when you went there like the spell still exists and it's still technically working it's that it is not connected to the force that connects all things and that's why it can't reach you so as soon as it's able to get in reach of that force is when you can hear the the well you know what i mean feel that the alarm has been yeah, tripped yeah. yep so i just wanted to make sure that we were clear on how that was going to work for you roger 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 dodger and that alarm lasts for eight hours too just fyi zoth would like to uh tend to his plant so he'll open the sunroof and let it soak in some sun rays um he'll request uh, a pail of water for the plant and then he would also like to request that uh, hot water so he could bathe and get clean and he'll probably put on his fancy outfit and hat. 
So you request some hot water that comes for you to clean yourself up and then you start changing into your fancy outfit and your hat. Um, and you know, the, the servants who are kind of moving around and bringing you hot water and stuff, they're all very polite, very courteous. Um, but you do, as they're all working around you, you do have a chance to overhear a little bit of gossip from them. So I'll send that to you just so that's coming in. I'll send that a little earlier than I expected because you summon some servants. They probably bring with you some nice like snacks and stuff with them because, you know, in like a luxury bath, you got like your hot water. You got your little like sampler plate, you know, next to you on a little ledge that you can kind of pick from. So for Zothkug, that's probably like I don't even know, like what kind of snacks are Zothkug is Zothkug into because he sort of gave up plants, right? Like because of. Yeah. yeah so. So is it like, I guess it must be like little grubs and like, you know, like little appetizer sized meats, you know, like protein that is small. Like a charcuterie board. Yeah, like a charcuterie board. So yeah, there's some cheese. I'm sure cheese is okay. So you got some cheese. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he's got like a little charcuterie board. Zoff would also like to tip the, the servants. Oh, okay, great. How many wingle digits you tipping them? Yeah, how many servants are there? There are three. There's one person bringing the hot water. There's a person who's bringing okay. the, the food to you Before and a person who's like cleaning up the room. Right. Be be mindful. You tip too little. Remember with the quarters you're in, okay? If you tip, they're going to expect a tip. <laughs> I'm just saying. What? If I tip, they're going to expect a tip? You know what I mean, right? Somebody else knows what I mean. I know what you I mean. Know what you mean. I, I'm not following. He's saying if you tip in a place that is used to the standards of a king, you need to either tip big or not tip at all. Because if you tip oh, in the middle, it's an insult. Uh, Thank you. Zothcog wouldn't, wouldn't think about that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you raise a great point. So he, he would just, since he doesn't have a lot on him right now, he would just do one each. What you up to, Alan? What's he been doing Alan, this whole time? Alan is going to go to the, in, in a literal sense, he's going to go to the bathroom, not like to relieve himself necessarily, although he probably will do that also. Um, but he goes into the bathroom, he checks out what's going on. He he finds like a he'll he'll find like a like a toothbrush, and kind of look at it a little bit, and he kind of thinks back on what the heck was going on during that Minecraft race, like he's choking a little bit, like he's kind of like staring at himself in the mirror. Yeah, like. he's kind of like what what was going on with that. So he will try to use his magical tinkering to like make the um. The, uh, the the toothbrush like shit like like have the light spell cast on it basically hey, like emit light. DM, can I just happen to bear chance on my patrol of looking for exits? Happen to enter the bathroom as this is happening? Uh, it's up to Jake. This is his narrative scene. What do you think? Is it better for the scene if he walks in, or do you want Alan to have the moment alone? Sure, he can. He can. He well, no, it's in his bathroom. Were you? Would you oh, just wait, go into his was room? Was it his bathroom? I'm oh, sorry, I thought you said. Yeah. The ba- I don't know why, but I immediately thought dorms. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, there's the bathroom. Fox just invites himself into your room and your bathroom. A master yeah. architect crafted well, each of your rooms, but they couldn't work bathrooms into them. So there's one communal bathroom. <laughs> I mean, come on, also, the, the guest rooms. They don't. Also, get the bathrooms. shower has no water pressure. Flushes <laughs> 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 fast enough. <laughs> okay so anyway yeah sorry, so alan's sorry. got his toothbrush he's trying Al- to tinker alan, yeah he tries to tinker with the toothbrush gets out his his artisan's tools and starts messing with it and it get and he feels like he's on the verge of it like he's just like i feel like any other time i would have got i would have done this but he's still at the very end just something happens he like falters and he is just like stuck thinking about like what what just happened 
with his like childhood best friend like this thing that like they had like both dreamed of doing like the, you know what they had learned about as kids together he just like doesn't feel the same now that that's happened but so he just kind of he stands there for for a bit thinks about that alan like looks up suddenly goes over opens up the door and he realizes he's just like holding a toothbrush and like his little bag of tools like in one hand and the other hand <laughs> she's kind of like uh, hi uh okay anyway uh sorry uh do you have a window in here uh alan will turn around he hasn't really thought about it um but yeah he has he has a window it's actually a pretty pretty nice big window maybe you didn't notice at first because the walls are painted the color of the sky yeah. so it's kind like of, oh yeah. i guess this this part's an actual window yeah, yeah. sorry i i'm just you know i, I kind of want to get a good look outside and uh, you know i just want to i'm checking you know and yeah so how have what's the toothbrush anyway? Uh, I would I would um, brushing your teeth. Well, I, I mean I know well, we just know, had a good lunch, so you you know toothbrushes like they th- there's a lot to be improved on with a toothbrush. I was seeing if perhaps I could uh, automate it somehow um, to to make it so that perhaps you could just hold the Alan. toothbrush to your teeth and then it would brush automatically perhaps. Alan if you figure that out um, you, you're gonna make so much bank you know how lazy people are it's it's a work <laughs> in progress I think it could be quite convenient hey I'll be your beta tester all right I'll I'll, I'll test that I'll, three sessions I'll, I'll later keep, when I'll Fox has mind. no teeth <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure what happened I just tried putting it next to my teeth <laughs> but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna look out his window you look out his window you can see um the his room is like on the southeast of the castle so like basically your hallway is going along the the eastern edge of the castle so his room is the one at the end and so through the sky window you can still see you know ahead of you and to the left basically are are the fields the kind of gardens and things like that you you. can also see a little bit to the right you can see what according to your hand-drawn map from abercrombie and his finch uh would be the legal district of um, the clan holdings so there's like you know city watch is housed there not like the the soldiers but like just the the city kind of peacekeepers um, all of the scribes the couriers the libraries you know a lot of the paperwork type stuff gets done in the legal district and it of course is kind of butted up against the castle so that if you needed to go and see the king or if the king needed to summon someone there's actually it looks like way down there four stories below you on the ground there's actually an entrance at the base of the cliff so that you know they could maybe come up the castle that way and get to um you know if the the king summons someone for whatever reason okay okay anyway alan uh i don't know i don't know how long i mean like sorry dm when did we arrive you arrived at like midday. Your lunch is probably you've all had lunch has arrived. I guess you've been out wandering, so your lunch is probably waiting for you in your room. Whatever okay. you ordered. So we got some um, time before dinner. Yeah, you've got some time before dinner. You've probably right. got a couple, a couple, a good couple hours at least. So, so Alan, uh, yes, you get that toothbrush work, and you tell me. Also, I saw there was a common room. Mm-hmm. We all up for a game of cards. I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite everybody. Yeah, that that would that would be I might, great. I. I, it it is quite strange. It feels as though we have a long time. Like normally, I would want to like rest between now and dinner, but we haven't done much. I don't know. I I'm feeling kind of I mean, restless you, myself, man. I, I, that long ride, half a day. Yeah. Like, do you want to take 
I don't know. We could take our lunches out to the common room. I don't. I, uh, Alan like Lunch. like gesture over, and there's like a there's like a bedside stand next to his bed, and there's like a like a tray of food well, on when it. When did the you get came lunch? Earlier. Wait. Oh, they this they they came earlier. I although it was interesting. I don't. If have you been around the servants uh, much at all? I'm gonna get closer to Alan. <clears throat> uh, how so? Well, they. I was just somewhat surprised i wasn't i was kind of in my own head like not really i was thinking about and he kind of pulls up the toothbrush i was thinking mostly about about this um however the servants were just like talking quite plainly just about like things happening in the in the in in the like the in the throne room recently really like supposedly it sounded as though it was gossip i'm gonna look left and right Uh, is the door open yeah, you just walked in it. I'm going to close the door. <laughs> I'm going to move him towards the window. I'm like, all right, I'll keep your voice down. All right? we it, don't wanna... it sounded as though it was somewhat gossip, like I heard it from someone who heard it from someone. Okay. Um, okay. But it seemed that uh, an Aspesh diplomat visited recently and basically told the king that they're not honoring their alliance with Udril anymore, supposedly. Um, they've actually made another alliance with the... His shalins, um, and he basically like apparently he had threatened the king, or at least Ooh. gave some sort of ultimatum. So uh, Udril is not on good terms with Bruh, the Aspesh at this moment. That's crazy, man. I just heard something I, related to that. Oh, interesting. I was searching the rooms and like somebody was talking about something about like some army was going out of their way destroying temples. But you know what caught my ear? Hmm. It was his Shalin. And that's who you just said was the Ashbinner. Yes. Are making a new, a new alliance I believe with. The te- I believe the temples they destroyed were uh, a temple to uh, Gomptus and Coax? Uh, Gomptus, yes. Uh, Gomptus and I've, I've never Kotix? been ever able to pronounce... Kotix, yes, I was about to say I'd never been able to pronounce that one myself. I mean, I, uh, uh, hey man, that's why my I th- honestly, I, I bet that's why half my village was worshiping K, because like, how could you? How'd you forget that? Um, I, I I wouldn't know, uh, but that's quite interesting. It's it's interesting that that seems to be talk that. Wait a minute. It it must be something if if there's if there's wait, wait, wait. a lot of people talking about it. We need to get the others involved. I just had a connection. Think about it, Alan. I'm not going to talk about it here right now, but just think about it. They changed okay. their allegiance, and they're destroying holy temples. That does, yes, that does, not seem as though it bodes well. And it seems like it might fall in line with a, you know, just saying. Mm, yes, that's fair. But let's let's save this until uh, we get everybody else involved. In the meantime, I'm meanwhile, we cut back to Zothkarg's room where he's <laughs> very pleasantly reclining in a bubble bath, like <laughs> eating hors d'oeuvres off a platter. It's running out of one particular kind of cheese. He snaps his fingers and a servant refreshes them. <laughs> so, gives him another one wingle digit. Yeah. Uh, I'll meet you in the common room. I'm gonna go see if I got lunch. I hope I did. Uh, sounds good. And uh, yeah, I'll see you there. See you there. Box heads over to lunch. Jeb, you have finished your ritual castings. As far as you can tell, they've worked fine. You don't see any indication that there was a problem with them. Um, 
what you what you up to? <clears throat> As we swap back over to Jeb's Jeb's room, he is in the bathroom with a toothbrush, um, up on like a little step stool. Uh, he has he has found a dwarven sized, ergo a slightly big dirt folk sized char- chartreuse bathrobe. <laughs> And he is just like he's got some big fuzzy slippers on, <laughs> and uh, and he's just like up there in front of the sink, and the his little tiny servant is holding the toothbrush, and he's just like ah, and the, and it's like brushing his teeth, and he's thinking to himself, I should I should like automate toothbrushes, <laughs> and like you know if I could do something like this that doesn't ca- you know cost so much magic, maybe we could like make a cheaper version. <laughs> And he's just kind of kind of thinking about that. Alan, you find your way to it's if at one end of the hallway is the door that's being guarded, then at the other end of the hallway is the common area. And it's a perfectly circular room. And again, this one seems to have been constructed by a completely different architect. The room itself seems to have been constructed like the inside of a birdcage. So instead of an actual wall against the exterior of the castle, there are pillars that are like open between them. So like you actually have like a nice wide balcony that stretches out past the the circle. And so you can just step out half the room is just like a birdcage. So there's still half of it under a ceiling. But once you get to like the exterior, it's like little half arches and then they lead out to a balcony. There are some benches and uh, on the balcony and then there are nice like plushy chairs under the roof covered part of it. Um, there's a, you know, a nice big table you can sit at and talk and there are, you know, eight or nine rooms in this hallway. So the table is big enough to support, you know, 12 or 13 people at a time. So it's, you know, it's like a nice big table and it's, it's like a card table where it's like an octagon. It's not like a long banquet table. Um, the, the coloring of the room is like a very clean, like whitewashed flagstone. And then there are non gaudy gold braziers that are holding torches <laughs> along the walls like really nice masterwork stuff um and so far none of the torches are lit but as soon as you walk into the common room and sit down one of the like chamberlain staff walks over to you and goes would you like the torches lit sir uh as of right now actually uh i'll go without i think the the natural light is quite quite beautiful very well can i do anything to make your stay more comfortable um no thank you Thank you, but thank you for asking. Very well. And he, you know, trots back to basically a spot out on the balcony where he can be summoned but can't hear what you're saying. Like, he's giving you your privacy mm. but staying close enough to serve if he's needed. Um, Fox, you walk out to the same room and, and join Alan with your lunch. There is a lunch that was waiting for you. I'm, I'm carrying my tray. I walk into the room, survey. I say Alan's sitting alone at the giant octagon table. Well, I can't let the lone kid during lunch sit all alone at the table, so I guess I'll go join him. What do you do? You sit like right next to him, or do you sit across? I sit or, like, across. Three chairs down. I, I okay, sit across. Cool. Respectable, right? You don't sit right next yeah. to him unless you really know someone like intimately, yeah. and you definitely don't sit awkwardly three seats down, but on the same side. All right, I'm just saying. You sit. Uh, yeah. It's common courtesy. As the second uh, person I, to arrive, I often do the uh, let put one seat in between, like sit next to them, but only once one, one uh, seat in between. So like urinal rules, because it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not invading personal space. Uh, yes, <laughs> urinal rules exactly. Uh, it's I'm gonna add I a die to the tension pool. <laughs> not enough tension in this scene, <laughs> and that's that's quite uh, an interesting technology that I don't know if like has been super very like. 
much explored in other places that don't have running water. Like, for example, here, they don't have urinals. Oh, anyway. anyway. Uh, the, yeah, similar to that. Um, because then also it's somewhat inviting of like, if the t- table fills up, then someone can still sit in between you. Like, hey, there's a seat left for you, kind of. Anyway, kind of uh, I'm going to immediately uh, survey how many people are around me and uh, how far the drop is for the balcony. Uh, sure. So from the balcony, you can actually see like further down the walls of the castle rather than just looking out at what's beneath you. You can now see like you can look up and you can look to the sides and stuff. So you can see the castle climbs a good six or seven stories up from where you are from straight up. It's hard to tell exactly how far it is, but it's far. It's, it's a big old tall castle, um, which is especially noteworthy given that it seems like since it's all these different architects working, it's probably all been built by hand. Above you, there are several different rooms that have balconies kind of sticking out here and there. So if you were to try and climb the room or the wall, which like, let's be real, you're a rogue, you're sizing up the castle, um, you would probably only have to climb a maximum of two stories before you were able to get to another balcony in some capacity. You know, you might have to go a little to the left or right, but like the, there are balconies around. Um, you can also see now from your much wider vantage point here, looking down at the gardens and the um, the other stuff that's kind of around, you can see that the hedge labyrinth is actually one of the Awaran labyrinths like you experienced in Tumbleweb. It's just way fancier mm. um, because it's like these tended gardens. And then you can see that past the archery range and the kind of training area for the soldiers, there is an open air temple to Gomteus as well with the huge metal altar in the center so that lightning can strike offerings. Um, so you can basically what I'm, you, you can see a lot of kind of religious significance in, in Udril and especially in the Royal holdings. Um, okay. but because you are now, you know, you're the opposite end of, of where Jake's room was. So now you're up towards the Northern, um, end of the castle, right? You're on the Eastern end. Jake was at the southeast corner, so you are now at the northeast corner, basically looking east. northward and around. So, well, yeah, you can see east, which is where those gardens are, and from here you can actually see over the gardens to the wall like that goes around right, right. the clan holdings, um, which is that map, and you can see you know several patrols of, of dwarven guards who are walking along the top of it. But then looking north from where you are, you can also see what, when you look down at your hand-drawn map from Abercrombie, is called the Embassy District. And it includes embassies for Gaim, Rustfree, Zerus, Tumbleweb, Ambercliff, Arivale, and a couple of the other like noteworthy lands in Urda. And you can tell which one is which because most of them have been architecturally crafted to highlight something about their land. So like the, the embassy for Arivale has on top of it like a masterwork sculpture of some of the trees that are native to the jungle of songs and some of the so you know you can basically see some like cool little bits of of foreign emphasis there i guess and you can see you know on those streets they're all cobbled streets with lots of there's lots of bustling and paperwork and you know like people are are busy bees over in the embassy district wow it's a little overwhelming so uh i I guess i'll just sit down and enjoy my food and pass you know the chat with uh, Alan here, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe uh, I'm, I'm gonna go check on the others. They haven't come out for lunch yet. And uh, yes, that that sounds great. I'll, I'll be I'll, back. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep an eye out here. Yeah, make sure nobody steals my food. Okay. Uh, yes. No one, no, no one would do that. I, Not at all. Now Never. that I said that out loud, you're right. Yeah, nobody would here. Yes, nobody would. None. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and I just walked down the hall. 
Alan just like gives gives his food a side eye. A dignified <laughs> exit, indeed. Uh, you walk down the hall. Which room do you want to go to first, Jeb or uh, whichever is closest to Zoth. the end of the? Okay, then going to Zoth's. Uh, there, there's no answer. Oh God, they've got him. <laughs> no, Z- Zoth. Zoth. So, would would you like some more of this kind of cheese, or would you prefer some of the sliced? Um, the sliced. Very please. well. Let me move this over here, and we'll slice Zoth? up some fresh. Just tell me when, sir. Zoth. Oh, that's good. Very good. Do Do you hear something? Uh, yes, it appears one of your companions is at the door. Uh, could you answer that, uh, please? Very well. Shall I send him away or just see what he needs? No, he can come in. The door is opened for you. You're, you're still I'm, like standing I, yeah. there knocking mid, on it. The door swings. Yeah. The door swings <laughs> inward while you're standing there knocking. And an attendant, one of the Chamberlain staff, is there. He's wearing his sort of servant's garb, and he's got in one hand a silver tray with about half a block of cheese on it and the little cheese knife set down next to it. And beyond him, you can see a huge round bathtub, and Zothkug is like neck deep in the bath, reaching out with his left hand to like pluck a very finely sliced cheese off of a platter that's sitting next to him. The servant says, uh, hello, you've been invited in. Would you like some cheese? Oh, well, okay. Uh, sorry I uh, interrupted. Um, I, no, you can... Uh, uh, I'm just going to walk off in the other direction. <laughs> you have strange companions, sir. And the servant swings the door shut. <laughs> just for the record, you don't... Fox is more unsettled by how lavish he immediately fits into this lavish lifestyle rather than the fact that he's naked. Okay. So you walk down to Jeb's room. Okay. You hear a squeak, 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 squeak. He opens the door. Oh, hey, pup. Uh, He's still in his robe and has the, the fuzzy slippers y- on. You, you decent? I mean, I think uh, I'm pretty decent. I mean, decent. me and Alan are having lunch out in the common room if you want to join us. Oh, oh, hey, they love food out there. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Chip, come pick this up. And a little pot comes around and picks up his charcuterie board. <laughs> um, man, I just brushed my teeth, but I am kind of hungry. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess yeah, that was come enough. on, come on down. Me and Alan, we got a uh, you know we've been having some very um, juicy conversations. Hey, uh, I'm gonna clear the tension pool. Chip kind of looks out the hall, down one way. Oh, down you the know, other. gossip about our hometown and whatnot. Could you? Uh, Okay, I I go into the door and shut it behind me. And uh, Jeb walks over to the bed and kind of like like plops down on it to to talk for a second. Um, the 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 wall in the bathroom, yeah, was uh, I don't know if it was like a little threadbare or a little thin or something. Maybe it was even coming through some of the ducting. But I heard some folks through the wall talking about some stuff. Oh, um, and I don't, I don't understand. Uh, they were using a bunch of words that I didn't know, but I know you're a little more streetwise. And if you've been meandering the halls, maybe you heard a thing or two. All right, all right. Here, wait. Let's get it a little closer to the center of the room here, and let's try to talk as quietly as possible. I mean, I'm in the center. I'm on the bed. You want to get on the bed? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, get, hop get up under on the here. covers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, 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 you have a flashlight. 
And, and Jeb pulls the curtain around them. Oh, you know, that works. And uh, so, so they're like in the middle of the bed with the curtain all the way around the bed. And as he pulls it around, it accidentally hits the the little lever and the bed starts to, to spin. But it's like slow, so they can't read something because they're, they're like inside the curtain. Whoa. I didn't, I didn't know you could do that, Jeb. So, uh, wait, what? The, the whole... No, focus, focus, man. It's just a bed. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I heard some 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 guys. They were they were talking kind of. Uh, I don't know if it was heatedly, but but there was like a little bit of a debate between them. Um, something about uh, about Big G being gone. Whoa. Okay. Okay. I think I can I can catch what you're saying. Well, I didn't I didn't know. I mean, this is a pretty religious city. Yeah. I didn't know if they were talking about Gomteus or if they were talking about. Garlow. I would imagine. Anyway. Yeah, go ahead. Um, apparently some dude or dudette <laughs> named Trinidad, that's what I was thinking, dude, um, is back from a mission. Uh, and they're supposed to be talking privately to the king tonight. Ooh. Yeah. And apparently they're they're like... The Latricius, do you are you familiar with that word? The the electricus. Electricus. Can I can I do a knowledge roll? Sure. And listeners, you can just uh, go back one episode to our tavern. Yeah, my brain doesn't go back one episode. I know. Yeah, I, you guys can can do your roll. I just was telling the. I mean, I'm role playing. <laughs> Jeff doesn't know. I I got a nine. Fox, you don't know. Something I, to do with Gonzo. It's a little. It's it, it's rings rings a yeah, bell, man. It, like, well, so so the thing is, is they, they they were talking like this was a little out of character, like it was some you know cloak and dagger kind of you know like hush hush sneaky stuff that was happening with some people that weren't normally hush hush. You know, it, it would almost be like if the if the priests and priestesses of Awara were like were like sneaking in at night to, to worship. Uh, to, to yeah to worship when they don't need to and they don't typically okay. do that like can you remember as much of the conversation as you can I think it died of the tension pool all right let's see can, it was Trinidad w- w- is back from his mission and was going to be talking to the king tonight I remember okay, that okay. part and they were they were like debating uh, over why it was all like why all the secrecy because because these people's the how do you pronounce it electricus electricus thank you because jeb would have heard it not seen the word Mm -hmm. spelled and not know how to pronounce it so like the the electricus they said something about how they were normally beacons of hope and and out in the open in public not sneaking around they're like Um, gone to his monks or something right is is that what it is? I thought, I thought that's what they were. I mean, that would make sense with Big G. Sorry, go um, ahead. But but yeah, they were like uh, apparently the mission that it was back from was um was like a couple months ago, and it was off east somewhere. I, I was looking at my map, and I didn't see anything out east that was you know kind of crazy outside of uh, like Aspesh. But that's like southeast. There really isn't anything straight east that I can tell. Except like this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said Aspesh? 
Yeah. It's kind of like east and all to right. the south, right, kind of, right. you know, down by the acid corridor. So I'm connecting dots here, okay? Because. Hey, hold on. Hold on. I hear somebody. Uh, put put I'm, a pin I'm, in that. Oh, I'll I find right the bed. You answer it. And, Je- and Jeb opens I, the curtains. I, and I, hops I, I out. get behind the bed away from the door. I mean, the bed's in yeah, the Yeah, I know, but like on the opposite right. side from the door. All right, Chip. All right, Chip. Let's, uh, let's be cautious. And Jeb kind of like. Walks over to the door. What is Chip doing? Hello. As you walk to the door, he's just kind of walking by, like he's healing. He's like right by his okay. side. I'm gonna add a die to like, the attention pool. All right. Because he's healing. Hey. Hey. Uh, hey. Hello. Hey, it's it's Alan. Oh, it's Alan. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's. Can I? Can I? Can it's Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's Alan. It's okay. It's oh, listeners, okay. Matt is peeking his head over the corner of his webcam. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah, I opened the door. Hey, hey come on in, Alan. Hey, uh, yes, uh, Alan will shut the door, and he'll see uh, the the head poking out from behind the curtains in the bed. Uh, like, oh, oh, good. Uh, hey, come, come over here. Alan will like kind of beck in no. over, over. No, to, you come over here. No, yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yes, come yeah, here, yes. Come here. Okay, uh, <laughs> on the bed. And so we all we all hop on the bed. Uh, <laughs> Where's Zoth? I mean, covers. if we're gonna talk about this stuff, maybe we should get he, Zoth. He was, Have any of you bumped into him? Yet? We cut back to Zoth. Zoth, what? What is? Uh, he's he's finally finished and gotten out of the tub and is like change slowly changing and getting like taking his time. Is he like ready. looking at himself in the mirror? Like, how do you do? Are the servants <laughs> dressing him? Are the yes. servants putting his clothes on? Okay. No, 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 no. He's putting his own clothes on. Um, Alan's gonna look at Jeb and be like, uh, Jeb. You need you need to get rid of him or at least hide him and point at the pot. Uh, dude, little, little guy. I I heard a couple of the servants talking and they're they one of them I don't know how, uh, one of them saw him walking around and is gonna go talk to like somebody about how they he like they think you are using real magic. Um Oh Yes. Uh I think that, that since i i have a th- i have a, a thought a theory perhaps i think that because this nation's king has one of the pieces of the rod and is likely attuned to it uh my guess is that they will suspect that you have a piece of the rod and that may not be a good thing because they didn't act they didn't act in a way of like wow that's a, that's insane that he was using real magic i don't know what to do with that but it was like a, oh he's using real magic that needs to be reported kind of mm-hmm. that's that's at least what i, I mean read from that do we know if like what if they don't allow that kind of stuff around here or maybe they that's 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 what i'm saying yes i i fear that well i mean i already burnt the shell on him i hate to waste but it just hide I mean, him then, then. then hide yeah you need to hide him in some way that if they search your room i i fear that it it may be a case of perhaps hiding the rod somehow as well. I'm not sure what the logistics of that would be. It just, I, hmm. I fear that that could bring a lot more unwanted attention to us before we're able to explain our side of things. What's, what's this wall made out of? I'm going to knock on the wall. What is the wall made out of? Can I tell? Uh, Like an exterior wall or an interior one? Exterior. The exterior walls are like big old flagstones. Like huge castle stand the test test of time like huge chunks of of stone jeb you can you can 
change stone, right? No, not very well. <sighs> um, I can, I can, I can mess with dirt better than stone, but if if the stone's been worked in particularly, I can't do very much with it. Darn. It's like natural stone that I can kind of tinker with. <laughs> hey, Chip, uh, go ahead and hop in my back. In the my, pot complies. <laughs> Hops in your little, your, your bag, basically. Is, is, yep. there, is there a way that Chip can pretend to be a normal pot? Can he, um, can he play dead, essentially? Can he suck in his limbs? Let's see. Hey, Chip, um, move all of your limbs to the inside of the pot. Uh, Chip complies, except that the the feet that like sprouted out the bottom of the pot, instead of like retracting, those roots wrap up and over the pot and like tuck themselves back <laughs> in. So it's almost that's right. Literally what I was except expecting. that there are some roots coming out the bottom of the pot that are now wrapped around the outside of the pot and digging back into the soil. Oh, so it's not like Mr. Potato Head, and they just they just like move around. Yeah. Uh, so he's just like, hmm, well, that doesn't work. Mm. Uh, um, well, then just hang out in the pack for now. We'll figure it out. It like nestles into your pack, gets all comfy. I I fear that the, your pack may be one of the first things they search. But if you think that that's mm. enough Ooh. for hiding, I'm I not feel sure. like hey. I feel like my brain is not firing on all cylinders wait, wait, wait. today. Hand, hand it to I, me. I don't hand know it what, to me. Yeah. What chip? I mean, you can go get him. He's in my pack. I didn't want to. And be impolite, but if you say so, and I just start digging into his pack. Hey, Chip, come over here, cause Fox is lazy. Chip climbs back out of the pack, unfolds its little root you, legs. You can take your feet and your you. hands out yeah. of your out of the I'm gonna pod. go ahead and grab him, put him uh, under. I guess in my pack is the best place to inconspicuously carry him for 30 seconds. All right, I'm gonna be right back. Um, I'm gonna I'm add gonna a go. die to the tension pull. Where are you going with Chip? Don't worry about it. Um, I'm gonna leave the room. I mean, I can dis I can turn the spell off, guys. This doesn't have to be a big. No, to -do. no, no. This is fun. I just didn't want to waste fun. it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna open the door. Is there anybody standing outside in the hallway? Uh, there's nobody standing outside in the hallway. I'm also gonna take this opportunity to announce to the group that chat has bestowed upon you a boon, a spicy boon. Ooh. So if you see Ooh. a moment where you want to like Ocean's Eleven it, like, but luckily this circumstance is good. You can use your boon that way, uh, or if you would prefer, I will come up with a boon that is situationally appropriate for right now and just give it to you. I think I, I kind of like Josh Boons, personally. You, you do or you don't? I do. I kind of oh, like Josh Boons. I prefer Boons. Josh Boons thought, yeah. as well. Okay. I thought you very happily said, I don't like Josh Boons. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, dang, that's crazy. Savage. Okay. That's my boon. I don't like Josh, and that's my boon. That's oh, what, that's oh, what okay. I meant to say. Yeah. Makes sense. I understand. Just kidding. Um, okay, so I'm gonna go, go to one of the abandoned rooms. I must have gone through at this point. Sure. Yeah, you've you've been in a bunch of them. You go to um, Gray Walrus. Gray Walrus. Gray Gray Walrus. Gray Gray Walrus. What happened to you? Gray Walrus. Uh, yes. Wow. I, I just I'm struggling with that. Um, I'm gonna go in that room. Um, and quickly look around. Um, from what I can tell, it is um, a more north-centric kind of like ice walls, 
and and the bed itself looks like it's upon a jutted piece of ice from the floor. Walruses are shown depicted on the walls, and uh, even has the little like like you know, automatopias. You mean seals? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, no, they're they're walruses. They don't know better. Um, <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and look for like a cabinet that's never used that looks unused anything that looks like it's just more decoration that it's meant for purpose sure. uh you find one there these are all like architectural masterpieces so there's a bunch of like drawers that don't open and like little cabinets that are way up high that no one could ever get to and stuff like that so you just like climb up a shelf to one of the top like cabinets that has a drawer that like you couldn't possibly open but it looks like an ice shelf you like it's a literal ice shelf uh, uh, you like climb uh, up to the ice shelf and like you can hide it up there yeah i'll go ahead and put them in. all right chip this is this is from your master through me to you stay here until you hear from jeb okay the plant seems complacent you know it like goes up there and stays there okay i'm gonna believe you <laughs> And I'm going to crawl on down. Um, We're going to use your boon for the... I'm not going to roll to see if anybody wanders in while you're climbing on the shelves in a room you weren't given license to be in. (laughs) (laughs) Since I previously noted the rooms were locked and then forgot when you went in this one and you said you've been through it already, so we're also going to gloss over the fact that you broke into a room. There's your boon. <laughs> there you go. Automatic lockpick. Yeah. Amazing. The um, auto lockpick. Now, if you could just put that technology into toothbrushes. Uh, right? Yes. Um, in that case, I'll uh, make my bay. My bay. My, uh, <laughs> I'll make my. You know, Chip is my bay. Chip is not your bay. Don't you be taking Chip away I, sorry, from me. Sorry. It's just that he. D&D is bay. It, it just goes well with old bay, you know? Uh, anyway. Um, East folk, no. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, head out back to make my way back to Jeb's room with my boon, which is why I said bay instead of way because of B and boon. And there's a head back to Jeb's room, and it's no big deal. You make it there, you are unchallenged. Nobody, nobody seems to catch you. They'll never find it. So yeah, I'm talking to Alan on the bed when when he walks in, and I'm like, yeah. So they said Big G was gone. What could what what work could they possibly have? Like what 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 are they up to? I mean, I don't I don't. But but they're meeting with the king. To, it, that person's probably, meeting it, with the king. I would tonight. assume it's somewhat in regards to the meeting that I heard about with the king that I told you about. Oh, with you. yes, uh, the, the yeah, you know the the ambassador from. I have to pull it up. Apesh. Uh, I took notes. <laughs> Apesh. Uh, yes. Um, from the, the, yeah, the ambassador from Apesh who basically said that they aren't going to honor their alliance anymore and they formed an alliance with the Hishalans. Um, and uh, apparently he gave, as I, as I told uh, Fox, apparently he also gave some sort of threat or ultimatum. I'm not sure what their demands were. However, I suspect it may be. Uh, I, I, I exit the curtains wait, wait, of the Alan, bed. Get, get below the bed. Cheese and crackers, Fox. When did you get in here? Oh. Man alive, you scared the fool out of <laughs> You knock on the door and inside you hear, Cheese and crackers, Fox. When did you get in here? Like they don't acknowledge you're knocking at all. 
Like when you're coming in a room that that I'm in, please, please don't Does be stealthy. Knocking? <laughs> shush! You be less shush. This is a normal reaction. There's somebody at your door. Yeah, I oh, I know because they actually knocked. I walk over to the door. Who is it? It's off, man. <gasps> Oh, hey, Zoth, come on oh, in. Thank I unlock the door. <laughs> you look inside, and Jeb is on the floor, <laughs> like, coming up to your shins as he always does, but wearing a chartreuse bathrobe and fuzzy <laughs> slippers, and behind him, wrapped up in gaudy yellow curtains, are Alan and Fox, just their heads poking out of the curtains towards the door to see who it is. Are we making a blanket for it? But, but the thing is, is that the, the bed is turning, so, like, like where they have the curtains, and they're, like, dragging it like a shower curtain around it and they've just gone around the edge so they're on the other side of it right now are, are we making a blanket for it yeah oh man that's a great idea that's a great idea and jeb looks a little shorter because he's not wearing his hat so he's he's like just a tiny little bathroom uh but you see zoth in his full full suit and hat uh by the way i think you're a little uh dutied up for a, a blanket for it well we're meeting with the king i figured i'd enjoy the refreshments and man it, it's so nice here mm, yeah uh, but um oh yeah you should come over here we're talking about some stuff we, we kind of over I got some, some stuff to talk about too oh well, hot dog looks like we're all hearing things yeah hey guys <laughs> oh yeah they're back yeah they're, they're in there let's go yes, uh, yes, come I like the idea that you just waited until they spun back to even with you so like you were just kind of filling time until the bed spun back around. he's not gonna walk all the way around the bed and chase the opening are you kidding me yeah yeah scoot out of the way guys oh, alright alright so wait Fox man what'd you want earlier what why don't you come in bruh you were busy <laughs> Not that busy. I I don't know what the what in the world that means, man. But I was always taught at a young age, you know, the family bathes separately. All right, I was not about to intrude that's upon weird. your bathing time. And you know, that's what the other kids said when I was a kid too. That that was weird. You never you never used the public bathhouse. No, my. Yeah, you never, like, you know, got together with your family and just, like, all took My a bath together? My parents were very particular about it. Uh, no, I, I'm i actually mm. with Fox on this one. I don't I don't think that was really a, a custom. No, uh, you guys didn't have public bathhouses? I mean... No, it was very... It was very... It, very I private. mean, obviously, I, we grew up in the same village, but, yeah, no, my parents never let me go to the public bathhouse. At that point and in see, time, you hear a knock on your door, Matt. <laughs> You hear another knock at the door. <laughs> Sirs? Well, this... Uh, uh, well. All right, uh, hold on. Yes? Jeb waits for the, Jeb waits for the curtain to go around. <laughs> then, and then I hop out. <laughs> and I walk to the door. Hello, sirs? And I, uh, yes. Yes, uh, who's... Uh, uh, who's, who's uh, it is the Chamberlain. <gasps> <laughs> and I, I crack open the door. Hey. Uh, yes, Chamberlain. What can uh, I, uh, what I? can I do you? What? Uh, I I have been sent to inform you that the king has consented to Prince Lovell's idea of having you join him at dinner this evening, and I am here oh, to remarkable. make sure you are sufficiently outfitted for your visit. I've got with me the royal tailor, if you wouldn't mind allowing us admittance. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> is is this outfit good enough, or do I need something better? 
the Chamberlain who until now had looked a little bit like, you know, all these bumpkins looks at you and goes, a man of refined taste, I see. Yes, your outfit is more than sufficient to meet with the king. Uh, but we will need to uh, fix up some of the the rest of you. So let's let's get you let's get you treated here. And Alan walks out from behind the bed, trying to appear like he wasn't in like like somehow he was somewhere behind the bed, not in the bed. <laughs> but he walks out and he's wearing his he's wearing literally giant glasses, a tool belt, and underwear and boots, and he's just like, uh, well, do you how, what do you think about this? <laughs> I, 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 you don't have to say a thing. All right, you don't. We all. I think we've. We all know. I think we've got a lot of work to do. Let's begin with him, <clears throat> Jiminy. And the tailor like hustles over to you and pulls out a measuring tape and be like doesn't take any time to wait for your permission or anything. Just starts measuring and spinning you around and lifting an arm here and kind of like repositioning your waist there and like just getting all the measurements. He's taking measurements on a chalk slate and as soon as he finishes, he just slides it along the ground to the chamberlain who like picks it up and hands it to an attendant in the hallway while he starts the measurements on the next person. Um, he gets to Jeb and he holds up his measuring tape and it like doesn't have I completely it doesn't have fine enough small <laughs> measurements for Jeb's height so he has to put it away and get out a smaller measuring tape that has like smaller gradations on it. He goes, ah, yes, the shin system. Nice. Uh, and then he like crouches <laughs> down and you know takes your measurements as well. A T pose. <laughs> he measures you in your T pose and then he puts your hat back on your head and measures your height with the hat as well. We'll have a sufficient hat made so that you can still feel comfortable. We don't want you to feel like out of sorts. We just want to make sure that you're appropriate to to visit in front of the king. And then he comes over to Fox and again does the whoa, same whoa, thing, whoa, like kind of takes your measurements. What? All right. Have you ever heard of... Sir, I'm here to take yeah, your measurements. This is I'm a professional doing a profession. You could ask Don't make this consent weird. Consent before you just start feeling me. All right, this is what I'm just saying. We ask consent at the door. Yeah, don't make it weird, Fox. Jay, uh, I mean, Jeb says. <laughs> still like, naked and deposing. The, the tailor's <laughs> yeah. done with him. Jeb is still deposing. I, I mean, he's furry. So. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I consent. And then I T-pose. <laughs> <laughs> the tailor again takes measurements, and he's quick and expeditious about his work, takes down some measurements, slides the thing out of the room and says, we'll be back within an hour with your garments for the evening. Uh, we have also provided you with, and he steps over to the kind of like side where the, the side of the room where the bathroom is. And he pushes on a hidden panel in the wall that opens up a lockbox. And he says, each room has a lockbox like this in it uh, where you may store your possessions. Obviously, you won't be able to bring most of them in front of the king and certainly not any of these weapons, which, of course, you may keep with you in your private quarters. But in case you are not aware, may not be worn or otherwise carried outside of your rooms without the king's writ. Uh, so if you'd please store them in here, there's only one king, one key to each lockbox, and the key is in the lock of the box right now. So only you will be able to get to your items, not even we can. It's very safe and secure. And then he kind of turns around and walks out, you know, business-like, and walks down the hall with his slates of measurements to go and begin on your outfits for the evening. The Chamberlain bows low to you and steps outside. Well, of the room. on that note, guys, uh, I got a lot to unpack into this. Uh, I hope my safe's large. So, um, DM Jeb's gonna walk over to the corner where his pack is and kind of like take his jacket and his hat off the top that he had like draped over them. And off of the side, he's going to unsnap the uh, the buckles and take big boy off of it and dislodge the rod slide it out and uh 
reach over to the bandolier, pop a, a shell out, one of the one of the smaller ones up on the top of the shoulder. And it's gonna gonna like pull the capsule apart and kind of pour it out in the palm of his hand and kind of like rub it into a like little bit of a shape um, while he's holding the rod, almost like a mortar and pestle. And I'm going to try and cast a spell outside of the blunderbuss and try to channel it through the rod. And I want to see if that works. What's the spell? Um, it's just going to be a cantrip. I just want to cast a prestidigitation. Oh, wait, no. Dang it. I don't have that. <laughs> um, I'm going to cast. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I do. I was looking at my other ones. I'm going to cast prestidigitation and just like clean up a little bit of my my dirty adventure clothes how how do you do it like so you're breaking your your little shell apart and getting the materials out of it and then just trying to basically like kind of focus on it the same way that you would like pull the trigger so so essentially what he's trying to do what he's thinking is is there are some there are some arcane symbols um that that align with the materials um, that he that he packs into his shells, um, and so in he's going to like pull the materials out of the shell and align the materials themselves in the palm of his hand in the symbol of like in the shape of the symbol. So it's like the uh, the small piece is going to like form one symbol, and then he's going to do the second one on top of it, uh, and he's you know he's kind of like playing with it a little bit, um, but really this is more of like a like a proof of concept, and then he's just gonna kind of like. Like, like off of it with the, with the rod and then try to like channel the energy through the rod just by itself. The materials are not consumed and the spell does not take effect and you can roll Arcana to try and figure out why. Okay. So Alan's going to go back to his room and store his scimitar of speed and great sword as well. Great. And yeah. Zoth will put pretty much everything um, and then he's going to find one of the servants around. Uh, you find one in the hallway. Yes, sir. Could I have uh, my plant with me? when I meet the king, or should that stay here? I think it would be wise to leave it in your room, but if you must bring it with you, we can see if the tailors can whip up some kind of covering or sleeve for it. It's just that it's dirty, and we don't really like to allow such things in the presence of the king if we can avoid it. That's fair. It can stay here. Okay. I just wanted to check. It won't be disturbed. I rolled a 13 for a total of 22. There are some words written beneath the arcane sigils, um, almost like an incantation of some kind. And as you're thinking about what you tried to do, you realize there might be like a verbal component to how this spell works that in the past you've either been doing incidentally when you're like, you know, just kind of like, ah, when you fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it looks like there might actually be like a right thing to say to cast this spell. And maybe if you just said the words as well, then all the other materials and stuff would work together and the spell might work. I'm going to lay them out again. And... And this time, instead of like kind of, you know, blowing them off or dusting them off with the rod, I'm just going to say presto. And prestidigitation takes effect. Oh my goodness, Alan. Alan is in another room. Alan would be freaking out right now. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. And I will start to... Hmm. Jeb looks around the room. This is a pretty gaudy room. We've already established that. Yes. Um, would it be reasonable to assume that the sheets are silk? Sure. All right. He is going to uh, cast Fabricate. 
Okay. And he's just going to use his blunderbuss on this. He casts Fabricate on the sheets, and he is going to... It's going to just, like, pull them off and uh, and make a, a very fine uh, silken pouch with a nice little flap cover that... Uh, that has like an elongated strip that like slits like slop slips into a little crevice like there's there's no buckles or or like metal or anything like that it's just it's like all one single woven piece of silk because it just reorients the the silk um into this little into this little like uh like a like a satchel satchel type thing and i'm gonna pop all of my shells out of the bandolier and put them in there and just kind of keep it by me, and then I'll put the I'll put big boy and the blunderbuss into and and like all of my other stuff into the lockbox. Are you putting the rod keep, in the lockbox as well? I'm going to keep the rod on me. Okay, um, I'm gonna roll the tension die because you just cast a lot of magic. So I'm just gonna see if any anybody might have. Is Zothgug keeping his rod on him as well? Uh, no, Zoth would have put it in the lockbox. Gotcha. Okay, so. Um, Zoth's things are all in the lockbox and Jeb has kept the rod on his person uh, everyone has changed Fox you were able to unload everything into your lockbox no problem at all um, the tailor comes back and he's ready to dress everyone and as he does he says I've also brought a specialty brew from one of our kitchens for you to try while we uh, get the test fit here going but you you try them and it, it's fine you know the flavored enemy it, it kind of makes sense like oh they're all warriors clan royal are all proud of their heritage from clan lupus and like, you know it, it's probably like one of those kind of deals um, it's almost as it's like half hazing uh, is kind of what this drink was but but you participate you're very like you know you're gracious about it and it, nobody gets offended you just are like I probably wouldn't do that again and at the same time the tailor is able to get all the test fits on your clothes makes a handful of alterations when he's done uh, the three of you who are not Zothkug have been outfitted in matching tunics they are a silk fabric reinforced with cotton so that it's really, really smooth where it touches your skin, but it's also like sturdy and durable and kind of like moves a little bit. It doesn't have the same kind of frayiness that silk material normally does. And it is a silver gray the whole way along the line of it, except it has a V that starts at your shoulders and then kind of comes down to where a V-neck would end. That is a like deep royal blue material. Hmm. And that's the tunic part of it. It's it's not tight fitting, but it's not overly baggy. It's just like it's fabric that can move. And then it's cinched around your waist with a gold belt, not like made of gold, but threads that are gold. Um, it's, it's cinched around your waist with a gold belt. And then you have just like really simple kind of like dark traveler's trousers, except that they're made of finer materials. So again, it's that like silk reinforced with cotton. So it's all very lightweight material. And yet at the same time, like mm -hmm. you're standing, you know, when you walk out into the hallway and like the wind kind of comes down the, the tunnel or the hallway from that exterior wall that has holes in it. You're, it's surprisingly warm like the fabric also is it's like it's good quality clothing basically it does not have any pockets it it's close enough to your skin that if you tried to hide a weapon underneath of it it would show and especially fox who's really accustomed to looking for these kinds of things you're like this is probably something they do for everybody who visits the king because like it's the king and people are trying to not have him assassinated true you know um, so they are, and they just really trust uh, Zothkug, I guess. 
Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost like this is what they do when they have to, like, if, if we have to make you change because you're not fit for the king, we may as well put you in, like, yeah. the most favorable material for us to also defend him. Um, but they sure. don't want to be discourteous. So it's like, well, Zothkog brought his finery. That's an offering of respect to the king. We don't want to throw yeah. that in his face. Um, so anyway, between all of those things, you get all outfitted and kind of readied up for dinner. And you head to head to the dining hall. You're escorted there by the chamberlain and a couple of mounted, not mounted, but like the same cavalrymen who were riding with you before. They seem to be sort of like not quite an honor guard, not quite a personal guard, but like the members of the garrison who are always staffing the castle, like sort of like the secret service would be in the U S it seems like this particular cavalry regiment. Cause they're all like joking with each other and you know, but they also have that look of like, these are people who have killed men, you know, like the, these are people who know exactly how to do their job. Um, and so, yeah, they walk with that quiet confidence that like really well-trained bodyguards have, and they escort you to the Royal dining hall. Now the dining hall is incredible from what you've seen of the other rooms of the castle you knew that like basically everything about this particular structure is a masterpiece but the dining hall is something else altogether it is a perfect sphere and it is dyed the floor is dyed to reflect the moon so it looks like with all the craters and dimples and things in it like the moon except it's perfectly flat it's just like a perspective trick with the paints and the dyes that they've used and then there are these huge, bright golden pillars that stretch up to the ceiling, which is vaulted so high that you can't actually see the ceiling itself. It fades into darkness four or five stories above you so that all you can see is the gold reflecting back down like stars in the night sky. Wow. There is a, it's not a moat, it's not a pool, but there is like a, a one shin wide channel that runs the outer circumference of the room and there's like a little water feature of water kind of flowing down into it and the reflected golden like pinpricks from the ceiling dapple off of it so that it always looks like sunset over the water and then there are huge windows that are um, facing in every direction because the altitude of this room is high enough that you can see in every direction it's sort of like up in one of the towers and so there are these huge wide windows that show you incredible views of Udril in every direction. So you can see the perfectly setting sun from anywhere in the room because it's dinner time and you would be able to see the sun rising in the morning and all that kind of thing. Can we see the spires from here? Like the, the three spires that like raise up yes. off of the planet? Whoa. You can see them way off in the distance. Ooh. Jeb is has never seen them before or, or like, like is yeah. enthralled by this. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think about so that. So basically due south of where you are, there are these three kind of huge obelisks just stretching up however high. Like you, you can't even tell how high they go from here. Um, but certainly higher than you can see, like up to where they impede your view of stars. And then you can also see, because you have these windows in every direction, you can also see some of the other towers of the castle. So that same balcony where earlier you saw Alex Greenvale standing there all bedecked in her pearls and stuff, she's not there anymore. But like you can see over to that tower, you can see over the wall and to the marketing, the market districts, which are closing up shop for the day because the sun is going down. And then way down the boulevard at the exact other end, with its breeze blowing directly towards you and into your face, is Domus Lune, which is the, the house of Gomtius, the house of the moon. And it's an equally tall cathedral. It's actually taller than this room is. Um, but the top of it from up here, you can see that the whole top floor of it 
is just a huge shrine to Gamteus with several large steel altars for lightning to strike and a bunch of different places of worship and it has quarters built into it. It's just this incredible masterpiece of architecture like everything else here is. Um, the room that you're in as you kind of are like turning around taking in the views the king isn't even in the room yet um you are directed to your seats and as you sit down a servant for just your seat steps forward to take your order so every seat at this table which is a large round table that can seat up to 50 every seat has an attendant waiting just in case the seat is filled and so as soon as you're sat down, your attendant comes up to take your order, figure out what you'd like to eat. They get you some drinks, you know, refreshments, whatever. As you're sitting there kind of answering their questions, Lovil strides in from one of the other doors. My new friends, welcome to the dining hall. I trust all of your needs are being met. Everyone's seeing to you, yes? Of course. Uh, absolutely, yes. Lovell. Good to see Service you. Service has been immaculate. I'm, you're wonderful. I'm so pleased Let's to give a toast it. to your... Wow, my word, sorry, DM, my my brain just short-circuited. What's the word for when you are hosting somebody and... Um, hospitality? Hospitality, there we go. <laughs> Let's give a toast to your hospitality. Here, here. I like toast. And he holds here. up a glass. And as he holds up his glass, his attendant is rushing to pour champagne into <laughs> it's it. Empty, yeah. They are deft enough that they follow him as he holds it up with the bottle and they don't spill a drop. All of you see the same service held to your champagne glasses. As you lift them up, your attendants follow them to make sure that they are charged with champagne before you like go to take a drink. And he goes, I'll drink to that. And you all cheers, cheers and take a drink. And he says, it is my great honor, my friends, to present to you the king of Udril, Tactus the Unyielding. And the door behind him kind of opens again and flanked by a couple of his cavalrymen. Tactus the Unyielding comes in, the king of Udril. He is a dwarf, but he's tall for a dwarf. He's more like a short human than a normal dwarf height, which is around five feet, five two, something like that. Oh, wow. He's got bright red curly hair on top of his head, and he has like a really well-trimmed beard, which is really weird for dwarven royalty. Like all the paintings and stuff you've seen, the statues of them on the walls that are um, outside of the castle are all like long-bearded dwarves with stuff woven into them. He keeps his beard really well-trimmed, he has clean, like, clean lines of his jaw. He looks like a king. And he has a crown on top of his head. And otherwise, he's dressed for battle. Like, he's wearing half plate. Hmm. He has a broadsword at his side. He has his scepter in one hand. And then in his other hand is a champagne glass, which he's like, I don't want to miss out on the toasting. And he, like, totally <laughs> undercuts the incredible seriousness of his name and his dress by just immediately getting excited to, like, be part of the you moment. Here, here. When he enters and all of at all of the heralding and announcing, yeah. it looks like Alan's about to out of habit stand at attention, and then when he's when it's undercut by his tone, he like kind of like looks embarrassed, like sits back down and is like here, here. Yeah, and so you all drink another champagne toast to the king. Another one to in. the king. Yeah, he comes in and he he looks at you and says, "Wow, the tailor's done a remarkably fine job on you. You clean up nicely. Welcome, welcome, guests. Welcome." Uh, I will be so pleased to speak with you in just a moment, but I must first attend to a few orders of business with this man. And you can see that next to him is a person holding like a, a, a scribe's tools. Um, he says, I just need to take care of a few last minute messages. I, I know that in the sporting world, you probably don't have this kind of thing happen very often, but uh, royal duties wait for no one. And so as he's sitting down, he's still dictating stuff in Dwarvish to... Um, the scribe who's next to him, who's just like taking down notes rapid fire, 
Fox, you're able to tell even from this side of the parchment that he's writing in shorthand. Like he can't, right. the, the king is speaking so fast that he can't write the words out. He's taking the notes in shorthand. And every time he finishes a note, he pulls it off of the, the tablet of paper that he's using and just holds it up in the air. And behind him, an attendant takes it so he can start the next one. And the attendant walks uh, off. And so there's just this constant rotation of attendants. The king dictates 15 or 16 missives this way. And I know some of you have comprehend languages. They're just generic, like, kingdom missives. He's not doing anything that's plot relevant. It's like, you know, make sure that we see to this guest's accommodations and make sure that we take care of that thing for the training regiments because they need this later. You know, that's stuff like that. General king things. Um, what were you saying, Fox? Out of curiosity, I'm going to uh, tap on my table my glass, right? Yeah. I am tapping at a pattern. Okay. It is thieves cant for greetings, which is a traditional way to basically test if anybody else in the room understands thieves cant, in which the reply is goodbye. Uh, striding in through a door opposite the king, um, a human with long green hair enters and turns to no one you can see in the hallway and says goodbye then and turns back into the room and slides into a chair slyly and kind of winks at you <laughs> and Lovell says allow me to introduce you to Everard the court jester and Everard kind of leans forward and like drums his, his fingers on the table and he drums them in a pattern that says I, like oh, it's yeah. kind of like a gotcha like you're caught you know you're blown type thing so that you can see that he, he like is, is with it um, but then he also is like I need a turkey leg. And immediately one of his attendants rushes off and like comes back with a, a cooked turkey leg for him to eat. I love this guy already. So now Everard the jester has entered and Lovell says, there should be a few other people who are joining us over the course of the night, but come, come, let's get to starters. Let's get to starters. And the servants who have all taken your orders immediately come forward with your cooked starters. It appears that they always wait for a cue from the royal family before actually serving the food. Um, as your first course is being served and you're like mostly making pleasantries with Lovell while the king finishes his business, two other people come in. First, there is a um, dwarf woman who is average size for a dwarf but built like a warrior and carries like a huge club on one hip and a very fine like um, rapier on her other hip. She walks in, hands off her weapons to an attendant and sits down at the left hand of the king. And um, as she sits down, another attendant comes forward and like puts a thing of pearls around her neck and a tiara on her head. You get the idea that this is probably the queen. And um, opposite her at the table is where Lovell will sit. And then next to Lovell comes in Countess Alex Greenvale, who strides mm. into the room, maroon scarf swishing behind her and slides into her seat. She looks over at you and does a little bit of a double take when she makes eye contact with Jeb. Um, she looks at Jeb, her eyes widen just a little bit, and then her mouth quirks up in a grin. She goes, we have strangers at our table tonight. You didn't tell me, Lovell. And Lovell says, allow me to introduce you to the newest champions of the Minecraft races. Uh, re remind me your, your company um, name. I can't remember the, the, the adventuring can name you Can I roll intuition used. real quick? You can roll insight. Insight, yeah, sorry. Um, on uh, Alex Greenville there. Yeah, what are you trying to like gain insight about her? Does she, is she already in? on it uh does she know like does she know who you are yeah uh i got a nine. Oh no it's hard to come to a conclusion at this point you're not sure what what 
um, what to make of, of her behavior. She might have forgotten. You have definitely remembered her. All of you have. Oh, yeah. But she may not remember mm-hmm. you. Maybe she doesn't recognize you in the clothes. But she also could tell, like, she's not giving you any clear signs right I'm now. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, let let somebody else answer then. Yes, remind me your, your company name. Uh, come on, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, ah, yes, I'm, I apologize. We we recently named, the, the, the team was recently formed, so... I, uh, some of us are trying to remember off the top well, of our heads. Well, they were sponsored by I Edison was... anyway, and he turns yes. back to Countess yes. Greenvale. They were sponsored by Edison, so you know they had to be good, although this is the first race I've seen. Uh, where where did you train? Uh, yes, well, in fact, we uh, are, have been friends with uh, Edison for a while, um, and, uh, y- you know, uh, Elaine Mollusk, and we have been uh, test driving her uh, her carts for a long time, uh, and that uh, skill definitely translated well into the Minecraft races. We had heard of them, and obviously Elaine was is quite a fan and had been looking to sponsor a team, and so uh, after a bit of training on her equipment, we, uh, we felt comfortable enough to do the race. It was quite fun. It was spectacular to watch. You should have seen the way they handled the cheating around them, and maybe cheated a little bit on their own. The king looks up from his... It, it was a bit unexpected, but I felt as though we, uh, we handled it The king it looks up from his decrees and says, cheated to win, did we? Oh. I, I, I prefer to say we played within the bounds that we witnessed. I mean... All's fair. And if it's worth anything, we were the last to go. <laughs> It was self-defense, of course. The last to begin cheating, you mean? (laughs) Yes. But we did it the best. (sighs) It (laughs) seems like it's a sport that is engineered to allow cheating. I don't understand why they ban Uh, ciphers in the first place. Oh! It is quite interesting. I'm not quite sure. If I must insist, King, see, there's this nice trick to it. When you tell someone in a sport, but don't enforce... That cheating's not allowed. It, it kind of invokes this idea of cleverness and skill and artistic vision on how you try to circumvent the rules that, let's be honest, nobody really cared about. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I think that there, there's just a, a secret penchant for spectacle. Exactly. Artistic value. Well, we do admire a spectacle around here. And he finally hands off his... his quill and his other materials and turns to his plate and you can see that he has been served two plates of food and he looks at them and kind of seems mm. to be sizing up which one is the larger and then he takes that one and turns around and places it on an altar to Gamteus that is um, like basically oh. kind of nestled behind one of the stars and then he comes back and sits down to begin eating you'll forgive me my religious eccentricities I hope we all uh, have of course them. the utmost respect for you and uh, he, he looks towards Zothkug and says, So, are you um, well-known athletes in your own lands? Um, I think we were mainly just sort of the, the, the practice team uh, formed together recently and bumped up to uh, the starting roster for um, this race. You could consider us uh, up we and coming. different backgrounds that have lent us well to this. I, I myself uh, started as a soldier. Uh, I know others of us have started as... Uh, you know, various other things. I, I actually can't quite remember what the rest I mean, of us... I mean, soldier were you? I'm, I'm various Outside other of things. A soldier were you? And you see, like, his estimation of you seems to, correct. like, have gone up a little bit. Like, it's, it's kind of gone up a notch. I'm going to take this opportunity to back us out to the metagame here. Um, I have Ooh. a spectrum in front of me. It goes from negative three to positive three, and it Ooh. represents the king's impression of you. 
you have basically this dinner is your opportunity to set the bar for how your future interactions with the king will go. Where you started on the spectrum is based on how four guys reputation is up until now and what he's been told about you and things like that, factoring in the different stealthy things that you've done and all that kind of stuff. So like you have a starting point that is not necessarily zero, but this, this dinner is an opportunity for you to kind of impress the king. Um, and I'm telling you that because sometimes I will give you hints as to whether it's going well or poorly mm. in the way that the king seems to respond to different things you say. Okay. So you can use those to maybe um, inform how you how you behave in the future. So we zoom back into the moment. A soldier. I admire that. You know, my clan, Clan Lupus, are all warriors. Yes. I. I in fact, I noticed throughout my time here so far that there seems to be a well-organized group here. And I also really admire the fact that the architecture here is extremely artistic while also extremely practical in defense terms. Well, you know, we like to bring together the functional and the formal, if you will. Uh, we Indeed. we also, I, for example, I myself haven't the mind for building, uh, so I take the opportunity as king to flex a little bit of my, my mojo with the other clans and bring in some of the better architects <laughs> in Udril and have them contribute mm. to the castle. I think it is important as a king to see all of our region represented here rather than just Clan Lupus, who, frankly, our, our influence is better seen in the woods than it is in any building or establishment when we can be with the rest of our clan. Um, but enough about me, enough about me. So you were a soldier. What took you out of soldiering and brought you together with this group? How did you come to leave that life and join this one? Indeed. Well, I uh, was a soldier for a while. In fact, I, after my tour of duty, I was stationed in Stainless. And uh, afterwards, I, I began to have quite a fascination with science and the practicality of these new and you know, newly created ciphers and such. And that actually led me to Elaine Mollusk and Edison with the work that they were doing on the cipher trucks. And uh, I just was extremely interested. And the idea of handling a piece of equipment like that, that is, is solely powered on this new technology, um, was extremely, was extremely interesting to me. And so that's kind of how I decided to go mm. that route. Yes. You know, uh, in Udral, we've, we've fully adopted the new, uh, wingle digit trading system i'm i'm still learning about it myself uh, as far as how it all works but it it does seem ingenious that it has been created it's quite in, in fact some might say too good to be true indeed some might and you see that he almost seems to be on the same wavelength as you and on that on that mm. statement as well like he almost seems like he's kind of on board with the idea that maybe it's a little too good to be true and what mm. about you he turns to jeb what about you, my short friend? What brings you into the company? Uh, Sorry, I, forgive the jest. I just don't get to call people short that often. No, that's, <laughs> that's fair. And, and as you might expect, a man of my stature deals with it quite regularly. And so it's a bit like water off of a duck's back. And I appreciate that. Um, talking about the, uh, the wingle digits, I find that they're, while they are in, in immensely interesting, they are very young and not very well established. And that gives me pause. I feel like there is a, a decent bit of potential in them, but, uh, but at the same time, there is a, a lot of uncertainty as well. And uh, 
Yeah, I'm. I am curious to. I, I am optimistic for them, but curious to see how they uh, they pan out in the in the value that they bring to the world and their sustainability. Oh, I'm Jeb, by the way. Nice to meet you, Jebediah. <laughs> I I like the the long term view on things. Uh, it's one of the things that some of the uh, future rulers of Udril have not quite wrapped their heads around yet. And here he shoots a little glance at Lowville, who like rolls his eyes and goes, Father, you have you can't just get upset at me for going to watch sporting events on the weekends. It's not like I can attend any of your diplomatic meetings anyways. You always save all the important stuff for the weekends. What's the harm in having a little fun? And for a brief moment, it looks like they're about to engage in like a little bit of a father-son argument, but the king is like, we're hosting, and like kind of turns back to the table and says, <laughs> anyway. It may seem so, it may seem counterintuitive, but you know my my people are are of the shorter lived peoples in Urida, and so it might seem counterintuitive that we would be the the type to think longer term. But it's because we value family, and we think about the generations to come, and not just our our own longevity. And it's important, it's important to, to know the value of planting a tree or building a structure that you, that you know that you're not going to use in the future, but that your family will. And what about the value of risk? Countess Greenvale has just leaned forward to enter the, um, enter the conversation. She kind of leans into the table. For surely it's not worth simply building something safely. That doesn't leave any kind of legacy. That doesn't cement anything, right? Where does where does risk factor into your ventures? I feel like risk is a very interesting thing. Very interesting concept. Without risk, you might not achieve the greatness or the desired result that you that you had hoped for, your ambitions. But at the same time, no risk leaves, leaves a people and a family stifled. And, and ne never changing, you know, just in the, same, in the same way that all of us at this table have to breathe in and breathe out. We all need to, to understand the, the risk of letting go of our breath, but then the, the bravery and the risk of taking the next. Life's kind of like that. And what would you say the risk would be of, for example, hypothetically, admitting known thieves into one's court? She looks over at Everard as if she's jesting about him. Ooh. Some, some may argue it is often more about the intent of the risk and the the ends of the risk being taken uh for example uh thieving as as you brought up um there's a lot of interesting moral arguments to be made about stealing for survival is that wrong because stealing is wrong or is that sustaining yourself taking another chance in order to have no. the opportunity to take the risk of breathing in and out 
that is not the only i i i, I my my colleague fox or my fo- colleague here I was going to say you know clips. you give the king leans in as alan is speaking and he says so what you are saying is that essentially thieving could be equated to simply having to adapt to the circumstances the world has presented you with and build yourself basically into the circumstances you want perhaps sort of like cheating within the confines of the minecraft race and then uh alan will once again like motion over to now Fox. it's interesting to think about that i i really love philosophical debate like these um i'm never really ever given the chance so i bow and respect that we're having this chance now Zofka gives fox a puzzling <laughs> look when he says that <laughs> <laughs> have an inspiration for that what a great character moment so the thing about inviting people over is that there has to be a certain amount of trust and of course you always got to be wary of the reputations that precede people like i'm sure and i nod my head over to the jester like some people around here and i <laughs> make a slight laugh um, so if you think about it, you don't really know the risk you're taking is not necessarily you're letting in the thieves, but that you're letting in someone called thieves and there is and lies a difference. Do you understand where the I'm getting that? says, I'm not sure I do see and I, I go ahead and grab like a chicken leg <laughs> and another chicken leg. And I'm like, all right, so this is a breast. This is a chicken leg, right? This is a thigh. You you, you literally said you were grabbing I, two chicken legs. So, okay. I was also going to call him out for that. <laughs> no, this is intentional. Do you guys not understand the illustration yeah. yet? Oh, of course. It's artistic. I, apparently I don't, but... Your Majesty, we'll just go with this because, like, this is this is entertaining. The king this is, is like, like he almost looks more amused than anything watching you and Greenvale spar a little bit. You take this and this, and I'm aware of the fact I called them two different things, but they are in fact the same, right? Now you wish to invite these two into your court, right? But this is your impressions of them, okay? These these are perhaps your impressions now. And I go ahead and um, put him back on the plate, and I start pulling up my glass, and you give him a toast, and I pick up um, a napkin, and I throw it over the glass, and you drink it all away, and nothing happens there. But while I'm doing that, I'm going to roll sleight of hand um, to pick up the thigh instead of the chicken leg, or the breast instead of the chicken leg. Uh... And switch them around um, while I'm flourishing the cloth in the glass. And for sleight of hand, I rolled 16. Okay, I'm going to add a die to the tension pool. Uh, so you rolled a 16. And from underneath the cloth, I will pull the the breast. But perhaps, okay. as I put it back down, you were misled by the mere impressions it gave you. And perhaps there is more to the eye than what you have seen. Lovell claps his hands like, a fantastic trick. <laughs> um, 
and it seems like some of the men at arms around the room and the attendants and stuff are pretty impressed by it too. You distinctly note that the king does not seem particularly moved. Like he doesn't seem upset about it, but like he's not surprised. Sure. He's like he kind of knows the jig. And also Everard the jester totally saw through your move. But yeah. everybody else is like, you know, oh, oh, and Greenville kind of sits back and goes, an interesting enough supposition. And the king kind of like smoothing over the awkward pause at the table. Um, leans in and says um, to Fox, so how long have you been practicing tricks such as that? Are you, Were you a, a, a magician before you moved into sporting? Uh, well, actually, um, my dear friend here, Zoth, and I traveled the roads together. And one of the things I loved to do was give a show. I mean, it's one thing to entertain, but it's another to really show how much the world can be bent without magic how much you can change someone's perception and then immediately circumvent it with something beautiful the king looks over at zothkug and goes tell me about these shows as zothkug (laughs) yes yes that is correct Oh, they were they were magnificent. Uh, we would often perform together, or one of us would aid or assist the other in whatever performance they were giving at the time. Um, and a lot of it is about managing expectations. Um, so people's perception of what is going to happen versus what the di- the difference between what they expect to happen versus what actually happens is generally where the showmanship. Ha- uh, takes place uh if people are expecting magic and you give them magic then they are you know in, in, impressed and enjoy it but if you say you know start off with magic and you add singing or you add dancing or some other other art form to to complement the performance well then then you have a show and then zothkog will uh activate his hat as a as a simple demonstration <laughs> of expectations the, the mug on top of it yes. the mug begins to glow brightly in the room and um everyone is kind of a little bit impressed by it the jester everard stands up and goes i can appreciate these kinds of differences it's similar to what you might see in architecture when someone asks for a wall and you give them a map and he looks out at the at the wall ringing the kingdom and kind of spins around and he says and yet they couldn't have plotted their expectations. And he kind of like looks around for a joke and he doesn't really seem to get one. And you get the sense that maybe Everard is is like trying to still earn his place in the king's court. Like he might be a little new. He's just like kind of looking around. <laughs> like, ah, ah, ah. And he kind of sits back down in his seat. Alan gives him a, a subtle thumbs up. <laughs> um, the, the king leans in and says, so the two of you have been traveling together for a long time then. Well, you could say we came from the same village. Practically grew up together. Though we do travel with different views on life. And yet you've stayed together all this time? Well, of course. I mean, just because there are two different views, like I've said, it's all about perception. You get the sense that the king is, like, really impressed by your answer. And as you're talking, he kind of reaches up to his neck where he's not wearing like a traditional like jewelry type necklace, but he's wearing a necklace with like just a little bit of wolf fur that's kind of woven into a pendant. And he like kind of Mm. 
um, runs his finger along the the wolf for a little bit, and then You're like, like kind of pays more attention to you know like kind of puts his hand down and is paying more attention. I'm, but he seems to have like really liked this answer. I mean, I'll say that um, having different views makes for better companionship, as you bring different things to different problems and are able to work through uh, an assortment of issues uh, complementing each other where one person falls short the other can pick up and vice versa I agree wholeheartedly with that answer as do I shall we have our main courses and the king kind of turns to the attendants and nods at them and they bring forward a main course and as with everything else it is cooked exquisitely there's not like a thing out of place it's exactly what you asked for um, even like some of you, like Jeb probably ordered something that's like a tumbleweb special and they still have managed to do it like very accurately to how it should taste and all that kind of stuff. Um, um they've like, their hospitality here is great. My king. Um, yes. first, am I your king? Well, it kind of leans back and like, <laughs> I you're guess not trying to just get something from me, are you? I will say since I'm but in your land. But he's got like a playful look in his eye. He's not yeah. like, you know, he's not, he's not actually offended. Well, I'm in your land. I mean... There really isn't much difference, is there? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, if I may, and I look over to the jester, um, maybe me and Everend can provide entertainment while others eat. I would like to show maybe some of the tricks I have. Perhaps compliment the dinner. I'm going to roll the tension pool. There's only one die in it. <laughs> Five sixes. Suddenly Alex <laughs> chokes <laughs> you. <laughs> um, Alex leans over to the king, though, and does whisper something in his ear. Oh, no. And as she's whispering in his ear, the doors that the jester walked in are pushed open, and a tall, plate-armored elf walks in. Uh, he has the holy symbol of Gomteus, which is a moon uh, conjoined to a tornado on his left, like kind of chest plate. And he has a great sword slung across his back and he has this long flowing black cape. And as he walks in, he says, apologies for the delay, my leash. I wasn't presentable for a fine meal after my travel and I took the time to wash first. And the king looks over towards him, having, you know, interrupted his dinner, and he very slowly nods regally. And you, for the first time, see the bearing of, like, a king who is called the Unyielding. And he kind of looks towards him and nods regally. And then as they kind of lock eyes with each other and they're staring each other down, and the king is, like, kind of putting him in his place a little bit for being tardy to something he was invited to, you can see that both of their faces begin to kind of quirk into a little grin until they can't hold it anymore and they burst out laughing. And the king jumps up and he goes, Trinidad, my old friend, anything to make sure you didn't smell like the trail. And he gives him a hug and, like, you know, walks him over to the to the table and gives him a seat next to Zothkug. And immediately food is brought forward. The attendants here clearly know Trinidad's order. They walk forward and, and set him down. He says, I was just uh, meeting some of our, our new guests here. Lovell has brought the most recent champions of the Minecraft races. And Trinidad looks towards you and goes, indeed. Well, congratulations on your recent victory. I understand it is quite a cutthroat sport and uh, very good to you for, for winning it. And he sits back in his chair and like he clearly doesn't really plan to contribute to the talking like he's worn out from a long day of travel and is like just trying to kind of eat and keep up appearances and be respectful to the king by showing up at his dinner. Um, however, it does seem to have totally distracted the king from what Fox said about him and Everard and the conversation at the table kind of resumes and whatever Alex Greenvale said is also kind of glossed over as the main courses are brought out and you all kind of sit down and are able to continue eating. Um, 
Everard looks over at, at Fox and he shrugs like, well, we tried. And he kind of like sits back <laughs> in his chair and like begins eating his food. And he's like, he's still here. You know, he's not that bothered. But, he, you know, he was like, that could have been fun. Um, I have a couple of chickens some Brussels sprouts, asparagus, but also um, some nicely cut veal um, overlaid over a nice pasta on top of everything. In the meantime, I'm going to sit here and uh, juggle one of the sprouts with my fork and just playfully launch it to Everend over there. Roll slate of hand to not like hit somebody else. <laughs> you know, my mama used to say we shouldn't play with our food. I'm gonna see if he's gonna yes and to me. Uh, <laughs> that's a 17. Okay, so you're tossing it to Everard. Yeah, you toss it over to Everard, and as you do, a couple of the people at the table like lean back, like <gasps> you know, like gasping and surprised and whatever. But Everard, who is eating, doesn't look up, but instead he like finishes eating with his fork and then lifts it up to catch it with the the handle at the back of his fork, and he twirls the fork around his finger to bat it back to you. And so now you're passing it back and forth across the table. <laughs> Everard is just like he's still eating between throws, but he's continuing to bat it back to you. He rolled a natural twenty, so he's like killing it right now. Oh, wow. he's Nice. <laughs> so in for this game, Brussel yeah, ball. Brussel oh, yeah. ball, the the new the Brussel new sport. I and Lovell is be, watching. Like, <laughs> go ahead. I, I endeavor to be is is more and more. Ca- I feel like the the thing is you got to be more and more casual. Like that's it's like playing horse. So whoever can more casually bat it back. So that's what I'm attempting to do is just play along and pretend as if though I don't even notice that I'm playing um, this game. Okay, so yeah, uh, you continue trying to. You basically just the game gets more and more elaborate. Um, as you're sitting there, uh, Alan will Alan will shoot uh, shoot shoot Fox a little bit of a glance of kind of like a hey tone it down <laughs> a little bit like I'm gonna and Jeb will go like this I'm gonna make a very <laughs> obvious hurt expression like with my mouth agape and as it's agape <laughs> I would like to catch the Brussels sprout with my <laughs> mouth <laughs> one more uh, slate slate of hand roll uh, Trevor what should the d- slight of mouth roll what please. should the DC slight be? of mouth oh it sounds like it doesn't matter did you not 20 it no of course not you should confirm that nat one <laughs> <laughs> no I didn't give you an entire story okay it's not a nat one I'm ready okay. it is a 22 what is oh, it okay yeah, okay. you're able to catch it. No sweat. Um, you you catch it and it disappears. And you look up and you can see that Alan and Jeb have both clued in on the fact that the king was kind of just watching a little bit unamused. Like, maybe this is a little too juvenile for his taste. Um, and he just goes back to eating. I shrug. <laughs> <laughs> a question, your majesty. Yes. There's a saying in, you know, in, in my my town that... We judge ourselves by our intentions, and we judge others by their actions. What do you think of that? The king folds his arms and sits back. Someone comes forward to refill his glass. He puts up a hand to hold them off. We judge ourselves by our intentions, and others by their actions. Not saying that we should, just that we do. Because how can a man know another man's intentions? I think it is accurate. I think it is one of the reasons that... The way of wind and water is so powerful is that it forces us out of that mindset because we aren't to make any judgments. My, my clan dates back a long way 
we are actually some of the first creatures to have been crafted by Gomteus himself. And in following his way and allowing the trials that come before us to grow us into who we are to be, even when things that are not positive actions occur, rather than focusing on the other creature or trying to pass judgment on them, it is our intent to use the circumstance to continue to grow ourselves and to hope that they will do the same. It is a great saying. I approve of this proverb. Let's drink to it. And the king holds up a mug instead of a champagne glass. And like the ale starts flowing at the table, you know? And so, yeah. Um, But you get the sense that you have like, that was like a big win with the king. Like he, he was, he was big into that, that phrase that you came up Mm -hmm. with. Um, You see him lean over to one of his scribes while everyone is drinking and whisper something. And the scribe, you can read the paper. He has written down the the proverb that you gave him and has walked off to give it to someone. You're not sure what the intent of it is, but it's like it's clearly made an impression because the king wanted a written copy of it. It makes Fox think for a second. Just Fox is thinking for a second. Pauses. That's it. Lovell kind of is the next one to sort of break the happy silence. And he says... Well, tomorrow I must show you around the clan holdings before you depart. Uh, what do you say to, to journeying with me? I A resounding yes from Countess me. Greenvale leans in and says, Surely you don't trust foreigners to wander around the holdings with, with your son, Majesty. And the king says, I think they've earned a shot. Let's, why don't you take them around the, uh, the holdings, Lobel? And she sits back with like a real upset look on her face. Um, she looks over towards you, catches you watching her face. And then it like quirks into another little grin. She winks at Jeb and then um, goes back to eating her food. Um, the, the king, meanwhile, says, I apologize that I cannot entertain you for longer tonight, but uh, some business does await me now. And Trinidad stands up as if he's like, I am the business. You know, he like stands up to kind of <laughs> walk out of the room and the, the king stands up and leaves with him so that it's just you, Everard the Jester, the men-at-arms and stuff around the outside of the room and Countess Greenvale at the table. The Countess just kind of looks towards you and without another word stands up and again, almost like like a lash flicking towards you, like her scarf kind of flings out at you as she twirls to like exit the room and she kind of strides out. Um, the sun has now gone fully down over the horizon and there's just kind of like blue hour sky above you. And the jester says, well, I hope I'll get to see you tomorrow. Um, actually, Everend. Yes? Do you play an instrument? Alas, I do, but mine is broken. It is being repaired. Well, perhaps I can share some songs with you. This night? Sure. I only have a short time anyway before I must retire with my companions. That sounds lovely. Allow me to uh, go and change and, and I, will, I will rejoin you. Where, are you. where are you staying? What room are you in? Why, I am in the maroon apricot. Ah, yes, the maroon fruit. I will join you there shortly. And he stands up and kind of strides out of the room. And again, his servants come forward. His, like, spots attendant comes forward, clears off the place setting, whatever. It's like no one even sat there in five minutes. Has the queen said anything at all or, like, shown any reaction to anything in particular? She, like, sat down and ate and has stood up and left with the king. Stonewalled. Has, Has the king left? Left. Yeah, he's like strode out of the room. So it's just you and Lovell who are left now um, okay. and the other attendants in the room. I wanted to say something, oh, you but can, that's all right. Do you want to go just back and, and say something to him before he leaves? Uh, as a parting, you know, just just as he's, you know, I, I imagine he stands up 
announces that he's going to go and take care of some business and everybody else stands up kind of in, in respect. Right. And, uh, and Jeb stands up on his chair so that he's kind of like at least shoulder height level with other folks. Um, and he says, uh, your majesty, thank you from the bottom of my heart for the hospitality you provided. I don't presume <clears throat> to, to have another audience with you. I will not make that assumption, but I would love to have a conversation about all of the kings before. And I want to emphasize that. The king looks at you and he nods and says, I'll have the chamberlain look into my calendar. I am I am like, ooh, I like that. Fox likes that. <laughs> Thank you again, your majesty. And he strides out. The, the rest of the dinner kind of disperses. And Lovell says, shall I have them take you back to your rooms? A uh, quick question, Lovell. Yes. You said the king has never been to a Minecraft race? No, he does not think of the sport as worth watching in the way that some of his more uh, traditional sports might capture his attention. I'm working on him. Does he prefer the, the, the combative sports, like jousting and such? Yes. Okay. And those he only watches, if you ask me, because it's a chance to check in on the training of his actual garrisons. So so as we're walking out, I'm like, so Alan, imagine a cipher that's kind of like box-shaped that you could have like an image spell in and then like the the games that they play uh, and we're just kind of Jeb, like trail off Jeb, Jeb, <laughs> i we've well, we've discussed this already I, I think it's incredibly interesting but not worth our time at the moment oh, oh right 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 yeah sorry sorry no, no, no. Do forgot, I know? now toothbrushes on the other hand <laughs> i had a breakthrough with this to, earlier no, wait, today. Wait, i'm gonna i'm gonna go like wrap an arm around both of them well actually i'm gonna put a hand on on jeb's back and wrap my arm around <laughs> Around Alan, like, no, wait, 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 wait. I like this box idea. I like this. <laughs> would you Would you believe it if I told you I brushed my teeth today without touching the toothbrush? I'll show you later. What? Yeah. <laughs> you guys brush your teeth? <laughs> As you are having this conversation on your way back to the rooms, you know, the men at arms lead you back to your rooms. They stop at the door just like they did before. They're not like, you're not prisoners. They're just keeping you safe. Um, you walk into the rooms. You're walking down the hallway. Fox... As mm -hmm. your group is walking to your rooms, you stride past some of the other rooms on your way, and when you pass Jeb's room, you notice out of the corner of your eye something... It, it might be nothing, or it might be something. There's like a little trace of something powdery on the doorknob. Do I get a ping? You have not gotten a ping. Hey, uh, Jeb, before yeah, we retire, do you want to... Come to the come come to the common room. I I insist, and I just kind of because he's so small. I just kind of like force him. Yeah, okay, sure. Towards whoa, the common whoa, room. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't seen your room yet, but like, okay. I mean, if you really want no, to. No, no, to the to the common room. So the moldy common fruit room. room or something. Oh, common room. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I insist on a on a game of cards. Okay. Are we betting this time? I mean, no, we no, all kind no. of pool our money. There's not much to this is, lose. This is this is really uh, just a game between me and Jeb. I'm gonna pull oh. out a uh, do you a deck of cards. Do you need us to like go to our rooms or? No, no, you can watch. I pull a deck you, of my see. own cards out. So, Alan, Ooh, tell me more uh, about this this teeth brushing thing. <laughs> <laughs> As I shuffle. Well, yeah. well, the intention of it is to. Uh, clean off extra residue that is collected on your teeth throughout the day so that it doesn't 
uh, stay there and actually decay uh, the the things your teeth the, the stuff your teeth is made out of. Now we don't necessarily know exactly what your teeth are made out of yet. However, we have deduced that when bits of food are left on the teeth, it can be very bad for. Does this <clears> apply? And so does this apply to tusks too? All right, Jeb, I'm going to deal you your sure. hand. All right. And I deal back and forth. Uh, I can roll for it if you want, but. I intend to have used not an actual deck of cards, but a deck of the alphabet um, with multiple reoccurrences. And I'm going to spell out um, door bad as his hand <laughs> as I deal it using the shuffle to make sure I have have it stacked correctly. I'm, I'm getting faint traces of birthday cake. <laughs> that's a well, that's an episode two callback. <laughs> yeah, that right. is a huge deep cut. <laughs> I mean, Jeb, if it tastes like birthday cake, it must be birthday cake. That's that's what I've always said. That's what I have always well, said. Well, it's never truer than it is now. Is it your birthday, Alan? Uh, no, my birthday is not for several months. Oh, hey. come now! It's just a proverb. Fox. I'm yes. unfamiliar with this one. I, I lean in really close. I look around. Is there servants? Uh, there's only the one attendant who is out of earshot. Like, he's close enough that okay. he would hear if you yelled for him, but he is not currently in Dude. the room. Yeah. What does dab rude mean? <laughs> okay, Jim. It's bad door. Door bad. So when you spelled the word out, you should have pointed it towards me, not towards you. My fault. Okay. I'm, but I'm, did you pick up? I'm adding layers to this cake. I think I'm starting to figure it out. Ask one of the servants to retrieve something from your room. Oh. Okay. Anything. Um. Hey, uh, good sir. Yes, um, yes, sir. Would you servant. like me to light the torches? I am in dire need of my toothbrush from my room. Uh, the 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 food that I have is really starting to cake up on my my tusks. Um, could you go <laughs> and get it for me? I am in the chartreuse stairs. Ah, yes, room. sir. I will fetch it shortly. And he strides from the the room down the hallway. You can still see him. The hallway's a straight line. So you watch as he walks down the hallway, gets to your door. Turns the doorknob, opens it up, and walks in. All right, and then Jeb's just starts as he's in the room. <laughs> as he's in the room, I tell Jeb, "There was powder on your doorknob that was not there before." Jeb looks at his paw. I, I haven't had dandruff on my hands in a while. I mean, it was the servant me. comes back with your toothbrush in hand. He walks down and holds it out to you. Here you are. I've even applied some toothpaste. Mm, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Swish it in my water cup. He turns to you guys again, like clearly expecting you at some point to say yes to this. Would you like me to light the torches? Yes. Uh, I guess he's fine. Could you light half of them, though? Sure. And he lights half the torches, um, basically alternating every other one um, around the the birdcage. Good mood lighting choice. It's all about the ambiance. Perception. Yeah? Was the toothbrush also covered the handle? No. I mean, there's okay, okay. A, a teeny little bit of powder that you can see coming off of the servant's hand, but he just touched the door. 
Um, the toothbrush doesn't seem like it had powder on it. Like, does he have gloves on? Coated. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, s- sir. Yes. What? Yes, What's... Fox. I'm thinking the same thing. Your gloves, What's sir. Could your... we borrow your gloves for a game? Uh, just certainly. And he takes off his gloves and hands them to you. I take the off-handed one and I whap Fox in the face with it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> really like <laughs> Just lightly. And I go to look at my glove. Is my glove the one with the dust yes, on it? Yes, your glove is the one with the dust on it. He took the offhand. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but we, we can't play a game like this, chap. Good, good sir. It's already begun. Pop. Did you clean? Oh, I'm, I'm too up. Good with you. I back away out of Jeb's reach. Okay. Sir, do you clean your gloves? Of course I do, sir. Oh, look at this. And I, I show hmm. him the glove. That's strange. Some sort of chalk material? Hmm. He picks up I the mean, glove and kind of looks at it closely and he like brushes it off with his finger that's not like his hands are not gloved anymore. He brushes it off. Strange. I'll go clean it at once, sir. And he take he holds out his hand for the other glove. May I have that one so I can clean them both? Absolutely. Pop. Here you go. And I hit Fox one one last time. <laughs> he takes them and All strides right. from the strides down the hallway and actually leaves the the common area i will get you next time i i yell to jeb as he <laughs> walks away what are jeb? the rules of this game i'm afraid we may have just killed a man i it's it's quite interesting it did not seem to have any instantaneous but what if effect. it's delayed is it not ch- i'm not sure what is it i it could just be chalk i'm not sure what the practicality of that would be mm. to know where you've been did we did we see anything dust or chalk related earlier today? Bear with me. I'm going to go over to uh, my room and grab um, just a single utensil out of my thieves tools, uh, like more like a screwdriver. Um, and I will grab a uh, piece of cloth, um, like a, a napkin that was laying on the table, and I will go ahead and scrape some of the chalk off onto the cloth. Um, and bring it back to our, our I love that part table. of Fox's thieves tools is literally a flathead screwdriver. Like, guys, I'm going to pick the lock and you just like unscrews the doorknob from the door. <laughs> <laughs> you just, right. but it is a valid way to take off a door. <laughs> <laughs> and since his last one broke, he just took this from Alan's tool. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead. Um, all right. Are you guys able to analyze this in some way with whatever y'all do yes. without touching it? I can, well, not here, not at the game table. Um, anything that, anything that I can do is going to be agic may. You need to work on that. <laughs> Cake with <laughs> sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll work on that, Chad. We'll work on the delivery. If it's something from a plant, I might be able to offer mm. some assistance. Do you recognize it, maybe? Chalk plant. Have a good look. Could I uh, inspect the substance and see if it's plant-related? Yeah, roll nature. 13. Uh, it looks like chalk to you. Like, it, it seems like natural chalk. Okay. Um, it, it looks lo- looks like chalk. Okay, hear me out. My hands are a little different than y'all's. Y'all, you know, you guys have... You don't have fur and little pads on your fingers, which, by the way, kind of weird, but I get it, you know? 
Um, <laughs> it's weird that we don't, or it's weird that you. Weird, do. weird that you you don't. But I mean, I don't know. Anyway, we're um, not going to open this. <laughs> so, what if? What if when, when you guys with like your oily fingers, touch the doorknob, like leaves little prints, and maybe they're like. Dust and chalk to try to like absorb that or something. My other thought was, what if no. they did something with chalk mm. at the top of the door and it dusted down and got on the doorknob? I mean, the first what one if it was is to a... track your whereabouts. <clears throat> Unless Let's they have a way of hear. transporting those prints to something else. Give me a second. I'm gonna take the the cloth just mm -hmm. just to be safe, so you can get back into your room. I'm going to completely wipe clean, making very careful not to ever touch this chalk, the entire doorknob. Before you wipe it off, the the symbol is a little bit broken and will require an intelligence check to decipher what it is, but you're pretty sure something was written in chalk on this doorknob. <gasps> what? I immediately stop before I brush it. You almost inhaled Walk some back. of that chalk. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jim, Jim, one of you two. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Wait. Can I? I'm gonna go ahead. Um, pull out like. Uh, I'm just gonna take the risk. I'm gonna take the chalk that's already on the napkin, and I'm going to try to draw that symbol I just saw. The best of my abilities. You're able to do like a halfway decent facsimile of the symbol, but it's enough for you to realize that it's a thief's can't symbol. The thief's can't symbol says this is the room. Like that's the what the symbol means. Like this is the place. Oh, oh, Jeb, it's not poison. Okay, that's good. That means we didn't kill the servant. What is it, Jeb? What? Oh my God! What we about? have to move your rod. I mean, my rod's on my person. Is it okay? Good because if you have anything magical in your room. I mean, I've got... This is going to be an issue. Uh, we have our lockbox with all of our stuff in there. <clears throat> Should I be worried about my room? No. Just Jeb. Do you have anything... I have a rod, too. ...inherently, like, actually active magic? Yeah, I always keep it on. It's it's on when I touch it, and I currently have it... I currently well, I mean, have it in, in my tunic, box. like, slid down, like, under my armpit, down my, my thigh, like... Kind of like if I were to slide it into my belt to just hold it, but it's on the inside of my clothes is where I've been keeping it. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about inside of your safe. Wait, what about what about like the lockbox? Yes. What about? Your... Is there anything magical in there? No. All right, you cannot take that rod back into your room. Why? Somebody marked your room, and the only thing I can think of is when we talked about somebody thinking that perhaps you having something magical was not a good thing. They might be trying to search your room. They might be looking for the rod. Hey, hold on, hold on, Alan, hold on, hold on. Fox, has somebody entered this door lately? Can you tell? Like, it was marked. Can you tell if somebody went in? I'm going to go back and expect the door. I um, Besides, obviously, they... I figured we were outside the door. Chad has added a die to the tension pool. Um, besides um, the obvious smear from the glove, 
Do I see any traces that somebody's entered since we left? I I I, I gander this is a stretch, but uh, roll an investigation check. It is a stretch. Uh, <laughs> I got an eleven. You see a strand of red hair, um, sticking out of the door frame. It's at approximately shoulder height for you. Just like a single strand of red hair, not like a bunch of it. And who do we remember has red hair? The king. Hmm. I bring the red hair back. This was in your door frame. Okay. So somebody went in with red hair. Somebody did not enter or exit the balcony because I took care of that. Somebody went straight through your front door. So that would mean somebody who has authority to do so or the capability of doing so. Um, Jeb also Jeb also remembers that he didn't lock the door. So, I mean, no, it's anybody. Um, I, I don't know if this is relevant, but I heard the servants talking earlier. Um, there was a ranger who visited King Tonitrus... Um, and after the after the ranger visited, uh, he summoned a council of soldiers, champions. Um, what does he? What does a holy man need with with eight warriors right now? I have An no escort. idea whether that has anything to do with this. I don't. I don't know if that is extremely relevant at this moment. I I do believe there's two ways that we could go about this. One of them is that none of us enter Jeb's room. And we all and Jeb stays in one of our rooms tonight, or we all enter Jeb's room and fight off whatever trap or person is laying in wait. Who has the key to the lockbox? Pillow you fort. Do. You. Okay. There's only you. one key. According to what you were told, there's only one key to each lockbox, and the key is in the box when you arrive. So you oh, should okay. be the only person. The Chamberlain was very specific that, like, even he and his staff don't have access to your lockbox. Gotcha. So only you should be able to get into that lockbox, and it's hidden behind that panel in the wall. So like it, you yeah. know, it would take a lot of knowledge for someone to get to it. I think we should go in. All of us. We can make a pillow fort, and then I'm almost tempted to say the opposite. I I believe that it may be better. We talked earlier about risk. We talked earlier about risk. If we have a pillow fort, they won't know where we're sleeping exactly, and then they have to either navigate it carefully or they knock it over and then we know someone's here i need to make a rendezvous if you guys are gonna do that i will join you but it'll have to be after my rendezvous it may be better to do this before the rendezvous well, i'll enter with you now uh, but if it's clear yes then i will be waiting in my room all right first we rendezvous rendezvous me and then you rendezvous are we making a fort or not we are not worrying about a fort right now. Jeb, we're going to have to work on uh, your <clears throat> vocabulary. Uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's enter the if room. If you think so, i got a couple words for you. Alan is going to go over to the okay. door. Uh, you open the door. It doesn't have any resistance. No trap on the doorknob or anything like that. Um, you open the door. You, yes? As, as, if we pass through it and nothing happens, I'm just going to brush off the chalk. Yep, you brush off the chalk. The chalk is gone. And I put my you, hand into my pouch of spell slots. Okay. You stride into the gaudy sort of gold 
aesthetic uh, chartreuse stair, and the room seems pretty much undisturbed from where you are. Like, you can't see anything out of place from here. Oh, I'm going to go grab my pop before anything happens. Okay. <laughs> that could mean a couple things that's, with Zoth. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's the story of Zoth's life. Um, He's giving um, that up. Not my pot, I mean my plants. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh... Alan is gonna do, basically do like a like like as he learned in his soldier training, he's gonna clear the room basically. Okay. Like uh, check every corner. Yeah. So as you're methodically clearing the room, one of the things you do is press on the secret panel to open it up and you know check mm -hmm. the integrity of the lockbox. The whole box is gone. Ah. I immediately go to my room and check my. And on that note. <laughs> no. Tonight's episode of the no. Wing Badger Tavern comes to a close. No. <laughs> Hey there, it's Josh, your Wing Badger Game Master. According to our analytics, there's like a hundred of you listening, which is awesome and we love that and we're so excited, but we have absolutely no idea if you're actually enjoying yourselves. So if you would be so kind as to leave us a review so we can figure out how we can improve to continue giving you an experience that you really enjoy, we'd be really thankful about it. Thanks, we'll see you next week.